You are now listening to the Cast, the number one old school RuneScape podcast featuring guests from all across Gelenor. To support this podcast, visit the Patreon link in the description. All right, welcome to the Save Cast number 120 with mods Ayiza and Sween. How are you guys both doing today? Yeah, pretty good, thank you. Uh, glad to be here once again. It's been a while since the last episode, or was it like 50-something that I was on? Yeah, yeah. It's been yeah, a long time. <laughs> it's been, but what, yeah, overall pretty good. Year and a half, I think, for both of you almost. Well, over a year yeah. and a half for you, Sween. Has it really? Yeah, I believe so. Been I think that long. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. Time literally flies. As the as the host, I have to ask, how are you doing? Because I find no one asks that very often when I'm hosting the streams. I'm great, honestly. Uh I went for a little walk today. I was just I was just telling you guys I finally completed the uh eight man toa i got hard carried so that was nice just that's oh, been i was about to call you a gamer but i mean do i have to retract that now <laughs> oh no that i was absolutely not gaming i was doing my zcb specs with like full torba on it was bad it was it was atrocious but you know i had some absolute sweaty gamers out there just pulling okay. me through so i, I can't play him anyway I'll, I'll let sween speak now yeah sween how you doing uh I'm good, mate. I've had a I've had a nice day. The weather is lovely. I did the same uh, just before this. Went for a nice little walk in the sun. Very nice. Very uh, work nice. was good. I got tomorrow off work mostly. A couple of meetings I'm gonna I'm gonna log on for, but tomorrow I will be playing a ton of Diablo. I think. <laughs> so let me add. I am actually curious on Diablo uh, because I've never played Diablos, but everyone's playing it right now. But first, I want to ask. Do you guys work in the office now, or do you guys m still do at-home stuff a lot? I, uh, I go in maybe two or three times a week, ordinarily. I live really close by. That makes it easy. Jagex as a studio is uh, it's pretty much optional. You can, you can do what you like. Most people do work from home, uh, I'd say like 99% of the time. So when we are in the office, there's only a handful of us, which is a big change from how it used to be on the old school team, like, you know, six years ago or whatever. But it, yeah, it has its pros and cons. I quite like being able to just crawl to my desk in the morning at home sometimes. But I also like to go into the studio, have a bit of a social flavor. And it's cool seeing all the, you know, the artwork and stuff. It gets you in the mood. Oh, yeah, I, I, I definitely know that. Okay, I, I have to say this because I'm going to be a bad host if I don't. It's still a bit scratchy, Swing. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. It's, I think you need to, like, maybe back up from the mic a little bit. I, I literally, I obviously can't see your setup, but it's it's a bit uh, scratchy still. Yeah, Swing likes to eat the microphone just to uh, <laughs> keep it from uh, so eating during the day. How, how is it now? It, it sounds a little bit better. It, it sounded great, yeah. like right as we were doing those like ending tests right before the recording, but then it got all scratchy <laughs> again. <laughs> well, while he manages his microphone, I'll, I'll carry on with the answering. Okay. And uh, I I work from home, and for the most part, there'll be the occasional time I'll go into the office, but it's mostly for you know like an event if I'm hosting the stream or if there's um a lot of other people from the team that are going in. Uh, we have. I think it's every quarter now. Uh, we all get together into the office to meet up, go over a bunch of like larger meetings that we have, um, kind of like see what's going on for the next few months ahead and stuff. And that's been really nice. That's happened like twice now, I think it is, um, since I rejoined. 
but I was I was rehired during the in the midst of COVID, so um, working in the office just wasn't simply an option, um, yeah. which was great for me because it was you know the enabler for me to actually working back at Jagex. So I've uh, really appreciated having that flexibility from Jagex to just be able to continue working from home because. Um, I haven't moved any closer to Cambridge from when I was like last on the podcast, in fact, and even when I last left Jagex. So that's been great for me. But I do I do really miss being in the office environment. Working from home definitely has its perks. You know, like I finish work instantly and then I get to just close all the work stuff down and start playing games. But um, it's definitely very isolating, right? You don't get that same interaction that you would if you were with people. So. Mm-hmm. And you guys have both left Jagex for a little stint of time, and now you're both back. So I we will definitely be covering, you know, what your guys' thought process was on leaving. I, I think we already got both of your sort of, but now that you're both back and we're both here, I guess we might as well talk about it. Um, we can see if it's any different. Yeah, it's not, yeah, exactly. That's the real thing. Are you having those second thoughts again of leaving again because you didn't think? <laughs> 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 uh, but first, uh, yeah, so how was Diablo 4? Because it seems like half of the RuneScape streamers that I watch are, are streaming Diablo 4. Are you guys enjoying it? Diablo is awesome. I'm, I'm hooked. I played a bit of Immortal, which was you know the very controversial mobile game, and I enjoyed that like a big consumer whale. So Diablo 4 in comparison to that is even better. I'm loving it. Hell yeah. Aiza? Yeah. Likewise, I've been blasting. I haven't had a huge amount of time to play, um, although I've definitely made sacrifices in order to play more than I should have. Um, but so far, yeah, absolutely loving it. The, the campaign is incredible. It's got such a good story. Um, gameplay is great, and I haven't really encountered any major issues either, which has been nice. Um, yeah, I'm... Currently, just in the process of uh, grinding through um, World Tier Four now, so I'm just uh, gearing up, getting ready to go through Nightmare Dungeons, which is like a progression system that they have in the game. Um, it's like you do a dungeon, you then unlock a higher level dungeon, and you keep going up the tiers to see how far you can get. So you guys aren't game devs necessarily, but is the, I'm assuming you guys get some sort of inspiration from Diablo Four things that could be. I guess introduced or just implemented into OSRS some of the mechanics or whatever some of the things they do are there any things that you guys have noticed that you would like to see in old school from Diablo I've seen, I've, I've seen a few uh, boss fights in Diablo which feel very very similar to, to boss fights that already exist in old school including mm -hmm. like flying vampires which seems mechanically almost the same as um, like grotesque guardians Mm. I was like, huh, I'm noticing similarities that way. But then again, you know, a lot of MMO mechanics and bosses are just recycled between game to game anyway. So you'll, you'll see, you'll take inspiration when any MMO drops like a a dungeon or a raid, whether it's Final Fantasy or Diablo or WoW or whatever. Not mm -hmm. that Diablo is an MMO, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But like as, as a whole, not just ourselves, but the team, you know, we all take inspiration from different games. We're encouraged to play different games and try them out to experience them and see what things other you know studios may be doing that we could look to incorporate or get inspiration from uh, i think a lot of the theater of blood for example initially was heavily inspired by the likes of destiny and um i believe tombs of a mascot had some pretty heavy influence from um things like path of exile with the although it's not directly related but path of exile have leagues that 
have different modifiers every time that they run and Tombs of Mascot's invocation system I think drew a lot of inspiration from that um, but then made to fit for old school so mm. okay so both of you had left Jagex for separate reasons and now you're both back yeah what did you learn on your ventures away from Jagex and what have you I guess enjoyed being back uh, I guess we'll start with you Sween Sure. Yes. So I left at the near the end of 2021. So I think end of October, I think we did the first episode together. I think that was published on like the 1st of November, right? So mm -hmm. it must've been around then. And I rejoined officially in late January this year. So like four and a half months ago, but prior to that, I'd been doing like maybe four or five months, probably four, more than four months of contract work for Jagex. Um, so I left end of 2021. I joined CCP Games really quickly. There wasn't much of a gap in between the two jobs. Me joining CCP was also like a uh, quite an impulsive thing. I'd applied for other offers, like other studios, and I had other offers as well. And CCP came in really late uh, after I'd accepted an offer elsewhere. So I was just making it up as I went along, which is still true to this day this is exactly how i ended up right back at jagex it wasn't like a plot to leave and come back in a different role or anything like that it just it just happened that way ccp was awesome really compared to jagex small studio because it was ccp london rather than the, the wider ccp studio in iceland which has a much bigger team and you know, it was I, I learned a lot in terms of like my discipline, community marketing, messaging, research, that type of stuff. And I learned a ton, and I'll get to that a bit later. But I think the biggest eye-opening thing for me was obviously Jagex and the old school team were the first studio I'd, I'd worked at. So seeing how other studios handle things, seeing maybe problems that Jagex had struggled to, fa to to deal with and see how CCP, you know, encounter and handle the same stuff or also maybe don't handle the same stuff as well. Just seeing, you know, common the stuff in common between the two, between the two studios and, and just realizing and recognizing that, oh, every game studio probably does, has to deal with this. Every MMO faces this problem was uh, like an oddly comforting thing mm. to just to learn like, oh, okay, you know, it wasn't just us struggling with it for any reason. It was just, it's just every, everyone working in games has to deal with similar things. So that was eye opening. Yeah, that's, it was that's nice to know. really hard. Sorry, mate. Uh, I was going to say, it's, it's really difficult to join a new studio working uh, in like in 2021 because of the COVID and lockdown stuff. You've got a ton of people working remotely. So this is something I learned, I, I took for granted. You know, when, when lockdown hit, I'd already been at Jagex for years, so I was very settled, very familiar with the team and everyone and, and whatnot. I didn't really consider how it would be joining a new team when you're in kind of in the midst of that environment. So joining a new team on a new game at a you know, relatively young studio, having to do it all remotely. I'd go into the office in London, maybe like one or two days a week, and no one else was there really, maybe like a handful of people. So you get a bit, you get quite familiar with those, but then everybody else you're kind of meeting uh, through Zoom, and that's you know quite piecemeal through the day and through the week that you'll actually get to spend time with them as opposed to just being in the same place. So that made getting acclimated in a new place really quite difficult. Uh, so that's that's something I've kind of taken away and actually 
when I thought about maybe people would come into whatever studio I've been working at over the last few years, it kind of gives you a piece of like, all right, you know, put yourself in their shoes. It must be quite difficult to do that and to make games and then deal with players as well whilst you're struggling to get yourself settled in. Mm-hmm. Well, I like I that. I you found the same when you came back, Aiza, to Jagex. Yeah, let's hear, let's hear your story, Aiza. Yeah, I feel like mine's less uh, philosophical, philosophical, mm. sorry, than Sweeney's was. He's always got a great answer for everything. But um, I think my time of leaving Jagex and returning was a little bit more of a like journey of self-discovery. <laughs> as lame as that may sound. That like, sounds philosophical. I don't know. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe. You know, like I originally left Jagex because I was traveling like a very long distance each day um, towards the end of my time working there, um, which just became a bit too much. Um, and then I went straight from working at Jagex to streaming full time on Twitch. And I was pretty successful, I would say, for the first six months of that. Um, and I really enjoyed it. But what very quickly came to um, light was the fact that I just wasn't very good at keeping up with creating content and it's a lot harder than people think that it is um, especially when I was you know balancing the struggles of um, life you know everyone goes through it but you have bills to pay you have relationships to manage time to spend with people um, and you really need to be quite full-on with it and I think a lot of people just kind of disrespect that a lot and think that content creation or streaming is just easy. You get to play games all day. It sounds like a dream. And I always thought it would be a dream. And it was for a little while um, until it wasn't. And then I struggled really bad. Um, I was quite, quite honestly depressed um, towards the end of my time streaming to the point where I had to stop because it just wasn't making me happy. I was constantly um, worried about not being able to pay bills, which then made me have a bad time on stream which then made me not want to stream which then spiraled into this downward slope of well you need to be able to stream and be consistent for it to work and if you're not it doesn't but when you don't want to stream you can't it it's horrible <laughs> so i totally yeah. understand <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure many people will relate if they've you know tried making content in yourself especially um so about nine months after um streaming full-time i started looking back for work again. Um, and I did a little bit of um, community management on the side, but it was only for a few weeks. Um, and honestly, I had to go back to my roots, which was originally in IT. Um, that's where I spent the majority of like my professional career until I joined Jagex. Um, so I, I joined an IT firm, went back to doing that. And I think the biggest thing that I learned out of everything was just the fact that I hate working in anything that isn't games now. I, I don't think I could ever go back into an industry that doesn't revolve around games in some capacity or something to do with the online um, like sphere of whatever it is environment. Um, because it just nothing would, would match the feeling that I got of working at Jagex. Um, and yeah, I then had, um, I had some time working for an esports organization and I helped them build a community within their organization, which was actually really good. And I did learn a fair amount with that because it was the first time I got to build a community up from scratch. I obviously joined Jagex, um, when old school had been out for just shy of five years at that point. So it was, you know, well-established RuneScape's been out for many years. Um, and I'd not had that experience of 
coming into something that I built, I joined something that already existed. So that was good. And then, yeah, COVID happened. And before I knew it, good old Sween had reached out to me and let me know that there was a position available and if I was interested, which I absolutely was. And the rest is history. So I love that. I tried that. hard to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful of <laughs> <for> it too. <laughs> I think when 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 I got you back, we weren't even officially remote. We were being quite cheeky and being like, telling people, yeah, yeah, he'll come in when he needs to come in. Don't worry. <laughs> but just hoping that we'd eventually stay remote and go remote long term. And that gamble paid off. Yeah, that was an interesting one. But it was always like, well, you know, I'm here now. So <laughs> I'll save that discussion for when it has to happen. Until then, I'm working from home. <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad you guys are both back. I gotta say, like, it's really, it's just heartbreaking seeing J mods that you love go away from the team, especially when you're continuing to play RuneScape. Like, you know, it's it's just it's heartbreaking. Um, so it's it's amazing that you guys are both back and doing well and doing a lot of good for the game. Hey, thank you, man. I, yeah, I realized that. that I kind of covered me joining a new studio and then kind of just hand it over to Aiza. So I'll talk about what I actually did at the studios and where I went as well very yeah, quickly. Yeah, let's hear it. And thank you for saying that too, man. It was, it's really kind of you to say, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's sad to think that, you know, you, it's, it's heartbreaking for other people when you, when you leave and do stuff. But it's also quite nice, isn't it? It makes you feel good that you're, you're missed or you're wanted. So thanks for that. Uh, yeah, so at CCP, I was still within community management, working on like an unannounced FPS game, and it was it's really cool just seeing like a game built from, well, from the very beginning. You know, an old school RuneScape, I like inherited a community, and then grew it, but I didn't, you know, foster it from the very beginning, which is what I had the chance to do over at CCP. Now, I, because we weren't even announced, there was like a limit to. Well, not a limit, but like a big rethink into how you do community management. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't do anywhere near my best work there. It was uh, quite quite a struggle to adapt to building something new rather than, you know, like cultivating something like... <laughs> I'm talking about players like they're a plant here, but you know what I mean? Like, Hell <laughs> yeah, players. <laughs> Howdy, exactly. all John Mark community. <laughs> That, Sorry, that's that's one of those mistakes I mentioned. I, I just trucked up to the studio in London and I started I was talking, and they were like, "Who's this guy?" Some cowboy hat on. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think once I at least did. But the people I was working with were awesome. My my boss at uh, CCP is was you know until until recently because my boss now is great, but he was the best boss I ever had. I learned so much. He's he knows marketing and communications and that like the back of his hand a lot of getting a lot of experience in games a lot of experience in music working with really cool musicians like massive names too so just working closely with him kind of set me on my path to now working in marketing which for a while was it was most of what the work i was doing because we weren't announced we didn't have a you know like a, there wasn't a subreddit for our game i couldn't interact with players that often so a lot of it was kind of the marketing research side of stuff um, some personal circumstances kind of led me to want to go freelance, probably about like what eight months into the CCP job. 
it was a shame because we were building up to doing some really cool stuff and i i've got i've got like massive belief in the team i can't wait to play the game when it is released but i made the like difficult decision to go freelance and that was, that was mainly because i just wanted like a lot of flexibility in, in choosing it you know how and when i work and also from where because at the time i was gonna go and start i think they call them like digital nomads just move around the world for as long as i can well, so, you know, again, avoiding getting the trouble and tax stuff and just working with a variety of studios. And I did that for a good eight months or so. I was really lucky to obviously have connections at Jagex. So I was doing consulting, like marketing consultancy for old school for a good while. I think I started in August of last year. Uh, also working for a US studio and also doing a few more bits for CCP as well, like during that initial kind of me leaving handover period too. So at the best time, I had three jobs stacked up. It was incredibly difficult. I burnt out really quickly, but I learned a lot because I was just working on free games at the same time, working with tons of different people, tons of different design teams, different uh, publishing teams. But eventually I did just burn out and I was like, I became a bit more willing to listen to offers. Uh, and during like my first or second week consulting back at Jagex for old school, my, my boss, and now my boss, just quite quickly was like, hey, what do you think about this role, like a full-time role, how about coming back? And at that time, I just recently started freelancing. So I was like, no, come on, this is the worst time you just say that to me. But a month later, like I said, already showing the signs of being burnt out, even though I carried on for like another five or six months, I, I started to listen. Um, and then it just started to make a lot more sense to come back uh, in the role I am now. Obviously, in my time away, Aiza and the rest of the community team, so like Mod Light and Mod Sani, and you also brought in Mod Goblin, the three of them, plus Aiza, are doing an awesome job. Community's filled, but there was some, you know, I think old schools always struggled with marketing. We had, you know, what, well, when we joined Aiza, it was like Mod Stone, um, and then we had, I think, Mod Blatch, and then two others. I can't remember the, the mod names. It's almost like the way I described the marketing job in old school. It's like the defense against the dark arts teacher role. Like no one can stay in it for more than a year. And I'm hoping I'm going to buck the trend. So yeah, you best do. You know, we're going to have words, mate. Exclamation mark. Remind me in like six months time whether or not I made it to a year. Let's see. I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. It's um, the new role I'm in was just perfect for all those new skills I picked up in my time freelancing and my time at CCP. That's awesome. Uh, so what was one thing you guys both, uh, how about I ask this, <clears throat> what do you guys appreciate now working at Jagex that you wouldn't have appreciated if you didn't go on your excursion out of Jagex? I guess we'll start with you, Aiza. That is a really good question. And I think the way I'm going to answer that is by saying I, there are two, two things. Number one is the people who work here. It is by far one of the best things about Jagex, I think. Obviously, you know, not everyone is the same. There are some people that are more difficult to work with as there are in any organization. But as a whole, it genuinely feels like everyone is your friend. We can meet up and go do things. It's great. So especially for those that I know, you know, not even for myself, but for others that work at Jagex, being able to kind of just go out after work or organize a weekend i think on saturday you know a lot of um the mods as well as previous staff members are, are going to be meeting up for a picnic 
right? And, and that's awesome that people have maintained connections and friendships following on from working at the studio. And then second to that is just the way that Jagex as a whole treat their employees um, and the benefits that we get for working at the studio. Again, I'm not going to try and sit here and like paint a perfect picture. Not everything in the world is perfect and it doesn't need to be. But as a whole, uh, I've never been treated the same way that I've been treated at Jagex. And I do genuinely believe that they care about their staff. So um, that's it. That would be it for me. Awesome. Sween? Uh, it's the same first one for sure, the people. I mentioned earlier how difficult it was getting settled into a new place. So kind of going back to Jagex and back to old school, it was like, I don't know, just, you know, maybe going back to your hometown after a few years away, do you know what I mean? It just felt really comfortable and very familiar. Uh, so I appreciate that for sure. And I think the Nexus is how we work as a game team, just how we make decisions really collaboratively, it doesn't happen like that at other studios. I tell you, it's a lot more top down. Whereas I think old school is whilst we do have, you know, decision makers and directors, uh, executive producers and stuff when we need them, we really, we're given the ability to make decisions ourselves and they'll step in when we want them to. So I think how we work as a game team, it's very streamlined. It's brilliant. I, I wish that was the case everywhere. Oh, and, uh, now, and then now the people, Sorry, I was going to say, now you've definitely made me never want to leave Jagex <laughs> because I did. I, I wouldn't appreciate that until I've worked, you know, at another studio and, and experienced it firsthand. But um, now that you've said it, yeah, you're right. We actually have so much power, I guess, and decision making within our um, roles. You know, we can just text each other and we're like, we need to fix this. And then the next morning it's like, OK, I've started the conversation. I've got the ball rolling. It's, it's it's cool. Yeah, we, have a lot, is, we definitely have a lot of responsibility. Sorry, buddy. No, I was just saying we definitely have a lot of responsibility, which is good. Yeah, uh, difficult but good for sure. But I was going to say that the good news is for your second point, which is like you know how well Jagex treats staff. Um, I, I I don't I think like that's not one of my answers, even though it is true. Jagex is a great studio to work for. It's like working at CCP was awesome. They were lovely to me. Uh, they they took me to Iceland like five times. That's brilliant. I got to see Reykjavik so many times. It's great. That's so awesome. it's so cool. They, yeah, they looked after me, and you know I know of many other studios which are, are great places to work as well. Okay, um, that's great. I think honestly, taking a little break from something, even though it can be hard, it's like you just need to explore new options. That was. I know it's not the same thing at all, but I had to move across the country because I was getting so just sick and tired of being in a spot. And then you don't realize how much you actually appreciated living there. You know, you only see the sort of mm -hmm. negatives or the things that could be better, even though you're just fine. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, change, change is good. Um, it can be bad, but for the most part, you learn a lot from changing, right? And yeah. that's how you can help yourself develop and grow as a person. So... Um, anyone who's averse to change out there, you know, maybe start something small, make get a new hobby, let yourself meet new people, try something different. You'll be amazed at how much you'll suddenly realize things are very different. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, we're just gonna jump into some of these Twitter topics because there's a lot and okay, there's there's go. some really good ones. So, <laughs> Mutz, first of all, huge shout out to Mutz second ever hardcore iron man to get the zuck helmet which is just unbelievable like 
that is just crazy. <laughs> and Very. streaming it too. Like, it's so easy to die on stream. It's so easy. And yet he did it. So his question, he has two questions. Thoughts on a large part of the player base having uh, proven so much over the years in terms of game knowledge and capabilities. What effect does that have on the projects you guys are working on? So basically just the overall skill level of the player base is just dramatically higher than it has been in previous years. Uh, I guess we'll start with this. That's a great question. Uh, oh, sorry, I was going to jump in. Yeah, go, go for it. Me. <laughs> it's... Um... <clears throat> It's funny because the, the skill, what's the, the skill ceiling, I suppose, it's just, uh, it's off the chain, man. It's just growing and growing and growing. But I say the average skill level of every player, I don't think it's moving that much. And that makes it quite difficult because you're, you need to be able to keep the top end players engaged and, you know, enjoying themselves so they don't go somewhere else. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who do think of RuneScape and, you know, old, or old school RuneScape as that game where they used to, you know, cut logs and that's what they want to do again. So having to balance people who look for, look for like, a, you know, like a really comfy nostalgic experience versus the people who are doing all sorts of outrageous stuff mechanics wise and stretching what should or shouldn't be possible. Having to balance those, those two people is difficult because, and I think the, the end game players might resent me for saying it, the, the the dude who just wants to cut logs is still a very valid person to listen to. It's a tough one for sure. I can't speak too much to how it affects the decision making because I'm not a designer, but uh, that's just like the you know the very simple observation I'd make on it. Okay, Aiza. Yeah, I don't really have all that much different to say from Sween. To be honest, I think the only difference that I have from first-hand experience over the last two years anyway is because I've been more focused on community than um, Sween would have been and that struggle definitely shows through when we're having to go through feedback. Uh, I know that recently we've been looking at a relatively healthy balance I feel of different types of content but that has in the last year or so maybe two years been definitely a more of a focus towards that mid game to early late game rather than like absolute end game like inferno level content and obviously you know we see a lot of comments around how people want to have that chase content to go for tombs of mascot i think was a really good example of how the devs did an amazing job of accommodating as many people as possible the invocation system was genius in that that you can ramp the difficulty up to levels beyond probably the inferno uh, if you really want to Obviously, with efficiency escape in mind, most people don't do that. But if you really want the challenge, it is there. Um, and I think that for us is, well, for me anyway, has probably been the biggest struggle is is trying to get through to those higher level players and letting them, or having them understand that the the more casuals, those mid level players that do make up a really large majority of the player base, are just as equally as important but not to sound in a way of very you know, much dismissing the fact that they want to have that higher level content too. Um, I would love to be able to just keep everyone happy all the time, but it's just, it's just not. Um, in terms of like the increase in skill levels though, I am really, really interested to see what would happen if we just put something in the game that was 
quite literally unbeatable for, <laughs> yeah. for months. Yeah. Because th this is the flip side of it as well, right? If we were to release something that was insanely difficult, like five times harder than the Inferno is, then we would be under a lot of pressure to reduce that difficulty because there would be the the vast majority of players would not be able to access that content that would take up a significant amount of dev time alongside that that they would have missed out on other content for which would then appease you know a smaller portion of the player base but how, how do you effectively manage that it, it is very difficult to do so and even with the likes of tombs of a mascot when some of the invocations that were enabled quite frankly made it very difficult even the players who crave that higher level content in most cases will favor efficiency and gold per hour over their own personal challenge. So, um, yeah, I, I think trying to understand what it is that a player actually wants is one of the hardest things when it comes to the increased level, like skill levels. Do you want something that's insanely difficult, but doesn't give you reward? It's just more about the challenge. Or do you want something that you can farm each day, day in, day out to, to make money? Um, or <laughs> do you just, want something that's super casual because you gave up on your extremely high-end pvm skills which i don't think is ever going to happen but yeah yeah it's crazy looking back on the inferno and thinking for i believe it was what like one or two full days and nobody got a completion until wooks did and just to think it would be so impressive to make a piece of content like that now I'm just thinking like if you were to put out a piece of content and make it so as to not have any player beat it for two full days, I just think the skill level of the player base is just insane. But I, I think that's like a really good place to get it is like just have one person beat it within like the first week or so. If it's months, then maybe you did overtune the difficulty truly. Um, but yeah, that must be so hard to even, if that e ever is on the table at Jagex to make a new Inferno or something like that, that's pushing the limits. What marks a fun, still fun piece of content, but extremely challenging that would take, you know, for the average player, a month of practice. So I think because the player base has grown, so obviously, you know, Inferno, and I think it's nearly six, the other day it was six years to the day that it was launched. So like we're fresh on the anniversary. Mm -hmm. The old school player base was much smaller than it is now. You know, following Inferno, we had the mobile launch, which brought in loads of players at the, like instantly, but also then it's kind of set us on like an upwards trend, which we've continued to match. Uh, the reason I bring that up is because the average player, I'd say, is different now to the average player in 2017 in that I think we've got a lot more casual players. And I don't know if they'd be happy to wait two days for a completion. I, I think there'd be Reddit threads and people up in arms that they don't get to defeat, like, defeat a boss. Yeah. I think it's, it's like a genuine discussion to have in the wider games industry about accessibility. You know, Elden Ring shipped and people demanding uh, difficulty options and stuff. That was one of the first mods made. Um, you mentioned like an unbeatable boss. I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Final Fantasy XI. So the first Square MMO, they had a boss that wasn't completed for like, I, I might be exaggerating, but I don't think it was beaten as intended by devs for like four years or something. <laughs> which is an insane shit. amount of time. Four years. Insane. So I love the moment. It was great. Like when the Inferno was happening, we'd we'd run into 
uh, I, we call it the atrium. It's like our big meeting lobby thing in the middle of the studio, almost like a university lecture hall, like a big screen at the bottom and then rows of steps like going up uh, for like 20 rows. It's really cool. And anytime someone would get close, we'd switch over to that stream and run in and watch it happen. It was, it was awesome. It was great. And the same with Theatre of Blood, that like initial difficulty and people, I know that's completed much sooner than the Inferno was, but people still struggled with it. It was, it was great. Yeah. And I honestly, I think the best, this is my personal philosophy on a new Inferno, if it were to come out, it's, it's really just, it doesn't have to be absolutely impossible. It just has to be unpredictable. So of course, the first few people that are going into it completely blind are going to have a very, very rough time. That was the same with TOB. It's like, you don't even know what to expect at bloat. You go into bloat. If you understood the mechanics then it's like, Oh, this is an easy room. But when people just run in and get flied to death, it's just, Oh, okay. Well, this is going to be a, a while to learn. But I think the biggest thing is just that unpredictability. And, um, and this is my own opinion on, of course, TOA is a huge success. I think numbers-wise, it just blew the other raids out of the park. Um, but when you can just go in there and within everybody's first attempt with a zero invocation, you get to the very ending boss and you understand the mechanics almost and then everything's just little increments you can put up to make it more difficult. I think a new Inferno, it, can, it doesn't even have to be that impossible. It just has to be very... Like, holy crap, this new thing just spawned and I had no idea and then I just wiped again. So it's like you're constantly, like you don't even know what the end is, I think really makes it very difficult. But then as soon as you get to the end, then you start mapping it out. Like, okay, this is how you do it efficiently. And that's where every player starts being able to get in there and, and do it themselves. You, you want, even if it's really difficult, you want each attempt to still feel like a learning experience as though you learned something new. You want to, you want to be able to die and then recognize why you died mm -hmm. and how you might avoid it next time. So I think as long as, even if it's extremely difficult, I would love for the next like really hard bit of PVM content we would drop. I'd love for that to be like a, maybe up to like a 72 hour window when no one's completed it. I think some people would disagree and say that's probably too difficult, but I think that's a great little window where, and as long as people are, you know, displaying progress on streams and videos and, you know, uh, theory crafting and sharing them around and stuff as long as that's happening and there is clearly progress and it doesn't feel like we've just added bullshit difficulty artificially mm -hmm. then i think that would be like you know palatable from the the average player who maybe wants to be able to face tank stuff and just click and get loot yeah and i, I also think just one last point on this that i'll mention is when you look back at early inferno there was no masori there was no you know, like big upgrades. I mean, I'm trying to even think of, I guess, I guess we did have Tebow and everything else, but as time goes by, you do get more powerful. Like your guy gets more powerful. And now it's been six years of the Inferno and it's still seen as very, you know, impressive content to complete. And so I think if you ever were to release a new Inferno, like people just got to recognize like so many people for years didn't complete the Inferno. It was, you know, years later, that's when the average player starts jumping in and doing it. Because even now, to this day, it's really cool to see a player get his first Inferno cape. And it's been six years. And I think that's what a new, like, Inferno 2 could be. Is just, like, people just got to understand it's not every single person is going to complete it initially. And new gear will come out in the years following, so... 
Absolutely. I know you said it was like the last point, but f for me, what I think the not necessarily the the future of endgame content will look like, but a very good potential for us in old school is um, there was the I can't remember the exact name of it now, but it was Mod Husky who worked on it during Game Jam I think last year, um, and it was to do with the essentially like a wave system. Um, you know, you fight various different waves of NPCs that could include bosses throughout, and it's almost it's it's essentially endless. And you keep going and going and going to see how far you can get. And that's the progression level, right? So that it can be accessible to lower level players because they get to a certain wave where maybe all of the key rewards are relatively achievable, maybe just a bit higher than Inferno level. But then beyond that is like the flex moments for the real good players where Ooh, yeah. it's it's everlasting at that point because as long as it's implemented in a way that that system can continue so that you can't reach the final wave and then complete it. It just consistently gets harder to a point where it's impossible. Um, it is then there for when new gear comes out, it may now become possible in a year's time from now to, to reach that next wave, for example. And that's, you know, again, something that's very similar in other games like Diablo with the um, dungeons that I mentioned, the nightmare dungeons, that you can just continue progressing them through until you can't progress any further. So I think that's something that I would really like to see. And I'd be actually really really excited to work on something like that yeah that would be amazing is was husky's idea the idea where you get like where you see the loot even and then you can decide to accept yes. it or not that's the one yeah yeah that would be even that's like amazing content to watch too is when people are risking their reward you know for a new wave i think that that adds a lot more fun at mm -hmm. least for a viewer you know if it's if it's streamed content so okay um awesome furry wall asks what do you guys believe was the greatest slash most influential update to come from any version of the game Whoa. that's a really good question <laughs> i probably should have thought about some answers to them as well <laughs> um okay I'll just go off personal favorite here. I, I think one of the greatest updates that have came to the game has been introducing leagues. Um, I think that they're a great way to experience old school in a way that you would never experience before. Um, and it's really good for bringing in, I don't know in terms of the stats, so I'm not talking like you know membership numbers here officially, but from what I've heard from people that I know, um, they constantly tell me, you know, oh, my friend started playing because of the league. They've, uh, they wouldn't have played otherwise, and now they're a full-time player. Um, people get to experience content they wouldn't normally be able to complete, and it doesn't affect the main game at all because, you know, the rewards are all cosmetic. Um, so I would say that is very much up there for me in terms of the greatest and probably also the most influential. Um, yeah. Uh, I think there's another way that you could interpret it, though, and uh, I want to hammer onto something that I always <laughs> mention. And people are probably sick of it when I say it now, but from a more negative aspect, I would say player-owned houses um, have definitely been extremely influential in terms of the way that the game is now played. The fact that you can have access to unlimited teleports to pretty much everywhere in the game, restore your health, special attack, your stats, all within the matter of a few clicks, completely change the dynamic of how people play. When you go back to pre- you know, player-owned houses and in the way that they are now, at least, 
you would have to go to the bank, eat your food back up to full until obviously the altar and um, from the desert diary was added. And that would slow down the game significantly. You wouldn't have teleport access to right next to a boss. But now that all of that is in there, there is very much an expectation that if a boss takes longer than 15 or 20 seconds to get to, it's a waste of time and we need a teleport to take us to the entrance. Um, like, Fasani's Nightmare, Nightmare of... Uh, Fas uh, whatever it is called. I'm just going to say Fasani's Nightmare. Yeah. I, was, I think I was going to say Nightmare of Ashihama then, but um, anyway. So... That, I know that people had some issues around it because the boss itself wasn't the most enjoyable until it was updated, but I saw so many people complaining about the fact that they had a 20-second run through that little bit of uh, of sleep to get to the actual boss itself, and I'm like, okay. And the, and the fact that the teleport was a, was a drop and not a guarantee just given um, until it was eventually adjusted, but... There is now an expectation that when new content comes out, there will be a teleport right next to it to the point where... We almost just anticipate that and typically we'll add it to new content when it comes out just to avoid that from being the case and having to add it further down the line anyway. Yeah, that's a really tough thing to balance, I think. Uh, just one point before I move on to Sween. Um, I really wish, in, in regards to the POH itself, I wish that things cost. Either you have to put in, you know, additional necklaces and rings into your jewelry box to do it, or something like you pay your butler, you know, 10K every 10 uses you use of your pool or something like that. Just something where there is kind of a cost, but everything being just indefinitely free forever is just, yeah, I feel like that's had severe consequences to the game. But we're all addicted yeah. to it now, so it's really hard to change. I was going to say, I, I would agree with that as well, but there is no chance that it would ever be kind of like <laughs> yeah. fully accepted across the board, right? Because for a lot of people, um, rightly so for them, especially those that don't have access to you know heaps of cash in game, they spent their gold getting the construction. And the reward is the fact that they spent the money to get there in the first place. And that is uh, understandable, but um at the same time very different and difficult to deal with if you wanted to make changes to the way that it works so yeah all right sween what about uh you most influential slash greatest update to come from any version of the game i'm gonna go with influential uh and i'm pro i'm gonna follow on from what Aiza was talking about because he offered two one was like more about getting people to get into the game and the other one was gameplay and i've got quite a similar answer uh, I'll preface this by saying, I think RS being you know, RS free, I mean, is in a really cool place with necromancy around the corner. I think it's kind of evolved into its own game uh, outright now. But influential would be EOC, like for for RuneScape, right? Where it indirectly led to the birth of old school RuneScape and everything we've done now. So that's that's the huge influence to have. But then also. At the time, I didn't enjoy the combat myself, but they've tweaked it and made it something really cool. They've given the game its own identity. So I think influential for both the outcome of RuneScape and Old School would be EOC. This is my, like, my, my spicy take there. And gameplay-wise, similar to Aiza, about how it's affected content that's followed for years after, I'm going to go with Zolra because... Up until Zora, there wasn't that like one, you know, repeatable, printable, and uh, following on again from what Isa said, really quick to get to, relatively, even at the time, right? The drop the scrolls and the fairy rings close by as well. 
I think Zora set a standard for what people wanted. And once you put the reward in front of people and whether it's with the POH, with all the cool stuff in, in the house, which is impossible to rebalance now, or whether it's a boss that just, you know, shits out gold. Um, people don't want to come back from that. You can't do other, you can't do anything else from that. So I'm not saying I do things differently, but Zora has a huge influence on the game and the way it is now for sure. And it's the way we will play it. It's funny because there was a guest I was talking to a couple of weeks ago about the idea that, you know, like what's up with the double drop, like the double loots for monsters, you know, that's completely broken the game and it's just been shitting out, you know, golden resources. And I'm just like, on a counterpoint, good thing we haven't gotten to triple or quadruple drops yet from bosses. I'm glad that you guys like held the held the gate, you know, it too. So even after, you know, what, like eight years since Zora. So, but yeah, that definitely was the mark of like a, a new generation of just, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess you filled the player base with a bunch of dopamine that you can't really withhold now. Well, yeah, you can't really take it back because, you know, you gave them a taste for it. And um, yeah. like, I'll, I will confidently say that we as a team pretty much across the board um generally hate when it comes to drop tables for content um because it is so difficult to get that balance right because i think for the most part most people in the team you know we're, we're players of old school played it for many years as well we've seen the changes that have came out we would love to go reserved on every single boss encounter within the game and have them as that general grad or god wars dungeon as a whole um, style drop table where your money is reliant on the unique drops as opposed to consistent drops but the player base don't like that um, as a whole i know some players will advocate for it um, but then when it happens those players that are used to the other types of uh, bosses that you know we ourselves have put in like we created this issue at the end of the day um yeah, we'll want it something different. So we have we have to keep that in mind. Um, and sorry, I was definitely distracted then. I just died in my dungeon. <laughs> I'm going to stay at the start now and answer this one properly. Yeah, so um, it, it's a bit of a struggle because we'll we'll be sitting there bashing heads against each other saying like, right, we don't want to release this drop table and it be completely broken, but we know that if we don't have an appealing drop table, then players are not going to like it. They're going to ask for things to be different or they're just going to outright say no to the content either in the poll or just when it comes out. And obviously that's not ideal. So... We spend a significant amount of time when it comes to actually looking at those drop tables and trying to figure out what is best. And you as players and yourself, um, said have probably seen it as well, where we fuck up sometimes and the drop table can be completely on the wrong end of broken um, and then it needs to be nerfed quickly. So something that we're trying to do more of now is stay on the reserve side and then buff it. But whenever we do stay on that reserve side, the first thing that happens is there's just a certain swarm of comments saying that it's not worth my time to do why would i bother doing this when something like you know fear of blood exists and i can make 10 15 million hour or whatever it is at mm. the you know going rate um so it's a it, it's a struggle and yeah maybe it was all spawned from that one little snake in the toxic swamp yeah that's that's a ongoing just problem and i totally understand it's impossible to please everybody because some people really love just making consistent money and to be honest this is just coming from an iron man's mindset it really sucks when 
you go dry on a boss and it doesn't have a generous drop table because then then you know you've basically just been i don't know it feels like you're wasting more time where if you do have a consistent drop table it's fine going dry you know it's like you kind of almost want to mm-hmm. go dry it's, exactly i mean you yeah. you are the problem so you know. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> couldn't help it sorry no it's totally true though uh iron man has compl- i would say the most influential is iron man i was gonna say that um just for i i don't know if it's the most influential out of all the games but i think that definitely was a huge change to what at least old school is seen as now i mean there's so many players i don't know if you guys have numbers for the percentage of players that play iron man accounts but it's got to be way up there it's very high it's not like the, the majority of players are main accounts but there are a lot of iron accounts too so you're right i, I completely overlooked it so it's a, probably i probably changed my answer to iron well i don't know I I don't, it doesn't come into our design decision making like as much as people might think really but yeah, i think it's a perceived but, like player impact more than anything because it's obvious to spot when a change has been made to accommodate an iron man right versus a change just being done because the sake of it feeling like the right game decision um so you'll probably see a lot of changes that we make and think oh that's just that's just because iron men have been complaining and even if it's right sometimes it's not (laughs) yeah sorry sorry i kind of cut you off there you were no no you're good mate i was all done okay um all right uh vixa just doesn't have a question but says i just want you to ask them how it feels to be the cutest looking community team members in the entire industry (laughs) by the way i've got it was great i've gotten a lot of uh, a lot of compliments based on like the um thumbnail alone it's the it's the most hd thumbnail we've ever had so thank you sween for providing that picture that was amazing you went with the one where i looked like more of a zombie though and as opposed to the one where was it sween you referred to yourself as the other day when we were sending them the <laughs> I, I said the other one the option that I easily presented, I look like Mikey from Recess. <laughs> Dude, I sent, I sent that, I took a screenshot of that conversation. I sent it to my um, family text group because we all watched Recess as a kid and they literally all oh, started busting up laughing. <laughs> I was crying, man, because I was, I haven't seen Recess in like two decades. I mean, it's been forever. So. Great show life eternal show uh but i, I know I it's true i did it. you didn't watch it oh man no. you, you didn't get to see dj yeah, and vince the... and the other ones like i i know i know of it i know some of the characters but like i yeah i never actually like properly watched it there's a quite a few different shows like that not even just childhood ones that i didn't watch because i was just too busy gaming mm. yeah if you just look uh, up mikey from recess you'll, <laughs> you'll you'll see a little bit of resemblance but, okay, uh, you guys gonna, are both very say, handsome. See, that's him saying he agrees. I did look like Michael from Reasons. <laughs> he, he said it. So I'm not just being overly sensitive. I was right to not use that picture. I look like it in the picture we're using anyway, but I did suck it up. That looks good. And uh, that's more important. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Oh, yeah, very, very nice of Vic. So thank you. We appreciate the compliment. Awesome. Um, let's see. I'm just like scrolling through. There's going to be a, a lot that are probably repeat questions, but so do farm runs slash Dayton asks, what is your most favorite thing to do in game in old school? Not Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm glad you added that. <laughs> yeah, either one, either one of you can start. Go okay, I'll go. All right. Um, I haven't played for a little while. I took a break because so many other games came out. I'm probably going to pick up old school game properly uh, a few weeks before Desert Treasure 2 drops is the plan. Uh, but when I was last playing, I was just really getting into learning kind of um, method, like new methods to, to, to kill stuff I've been killing for a long time. So like I, I finally nailed like uh, like both a method solo, like a bandos and Zami and stuff. I was really enjoying that. I was on like a, a little run of learning PVM. It was it was cool. So that's what I'm going to get right back into to prepare for the new bosses that are coming. Very cool. Yeah, you enjoyed it because you were spooned. Yeah, I've never seen so many uniques go to someone in such a low amount of kill count in existence. It is surreal. That does I'm make happy for you, but like, you know, at the same time, it's a bit like, oh, yeah, just another unique from Sweden posted in our group chat. It you does make what? content while, more fun. Yeah, it does, ahead. doesn't it? Yeah. For, for a while, that was, I was looking at people in, in our old school, in our um, old school team, like Discord. We have like a little private one. It's, it's, it's kind of fun to be in. People were, were sharing pictures of themselves going dry at different bosses. So I was like, oh, I, I wonder if I, if I just go there, will I get the drop they want? And then that just happened. And I was like, oh, look, I've got this, by the way. So I, I, just, I just wait to see how people go dry. And I'm like, all right, I'll, okay, time for me to shine. <laughs> or, or just use the little Jagex potato and just spawn some item. Just take a screenshot <laughs> of it. Yeah, you know it's doing <laughs> <laughs> little cheater all right what about you Aiza? favorite thing yeah i i think for me it honestly it varies because i think when temporary game modes come out now i i definitely spend more time on those than i do playing the game generally at the moment anyway but outside of temporary game modes and that's for both the leagues and dead man I, I love them both equally uh, i would say it would be any content that i can do with friends i had such a blast when Tombs of Mascot released, and I was doing that with, um, you know, a bunch of people that I talk with on the daily. I think I was with like Pure Spam, um, Jessica. I played with Goblin for a while as well, and it was just such a such a blast. There's there's nothing better than jumping into a voice call with the homies and just potting some some games, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I don't have the most uh, impressive kill count numbers, that's for sure, but um, yeah. Outside of that, uh, I would say questing. I really enjoy the quests in old school because you just don't get anything like it in any other game. Yeah, questing. I, I wish I was more of a quester, but uh, unfortunately, I'm gonna, yeah. I, I was going to say, just add, adding in one thing as well, like outside of raiding content, because I think that's an easy answer. Honestly, traditional runecrafting. That is by far my number one favorite thing in the game. <laughs> and it's... I know that's really weird thing to say but it's so relaxing and it's just i don't know there's something about it that just harms me <laughs> it's nice you know i was i've been thinking you know what would be kind of cool about room crafting now this might actually end up being a negative because then you would focus on here well here i'll just tell you the idea it would be a chance of getting like an excess amount of runes, something where you go to the altar and it's not just completely static all the time but you would go there and 
you have a, a rare chance or maybe you're holding something that would give you an extra chance of getting like triple runes randomly. So you get that like little dopamine hit even though you're doing traditional rune crafting. The downside would be if you don't hit that, then you feel worse, you know, slightly worse. <laughs> I could I could see it being a cool little perk if it was... Uh... I mean, to be fair, with, with traditional runecrafting outside of essence runners not being like the most efficient of things anyway, um, mm -hmm. even if it gave you the experience, I wouldn't mind that too much. Yeah. You know, if it was yeah. a, a chance here, you just suddenly get a massive bump up. But and that, that seems pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good answer. It makes me, runecrafting always makes me feel nostalgic for like that time. That like one week window in 2004 where I wanted to train magic and felt like I had to runecraft to be able to do so. And, you know, it's called RuneScape. Like, the game is about runes. Like, when we were playing in 2004, like, the Rune Mysteries questline was unfolding and being able to craft runes and, like, you know, the, the return of rune magic to, to RuneScape was huge. And now it's just people like, nah, we don't care about runes. They're not special. Where are my fucking blood packs? God damn it. Let me buy yeah, we just buy them from a shot, mate. Let's go. I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm impressed you guys have held the gate on that. Uh, the, you know, blood rune packs. You guys have offered little alternatives, little band-aids, you know, little blood essence and stuff. I appreciate it. Um, you because... Yeah, you say that, but, like, I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm sorry, but, like, I'm at that point where I just want blood packs to be added into the game. I don't even need them because I'm not at that point on any of my accounts where it matters. Like, my hardcore, I have something like 15k blood runes, but I know that if I ever got a scythe or a sanguinesti staff, they would be just deteriorated <laughs> instantly. Oh, yeah, they but would. The but you love runecrafting, you said, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I do that on my main where I have, like, access to full-on staminas and I don't have to worry okay. about it, right? I see. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, like, it's one of those where... I understand, like it, it's 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 the never-ending internal turmoil of player needs versus game balance, health, and developers' desires. And there are, um, you know, some people within the team that would rather there be a fitting way in game that makes sense for you to get blood runes that is better than buying them from a shop. And that is infinitely better design. It would make a better game than if you just had to sit there buying packs from a shop. Um, without having to hop. I know you have to hop currently, but you know, mm -hmm. if the packs were there, you wouldn't. Um, but I think the, the harsh reality of it is that unless something drastic was going to be done, that's just not going to happen. And I would just rather let the players just have their enjoyment and just buy the blood runes. Because they're at a point now anyway, where it, for mains, it doesn't affect the economy. They're at the lowest that they have been. <laughs> Obviously, this wouldn't help it. But what main is going to go out there buying blood packs from a shop, really? Um, you just buy them from the Grand Exchange anyway, right? So it, it is really a catering for Iron Men um, issue more so than anything else at all. And I get it. You don't want to have to make blood runes for three hours to use your scythe for 20 minutes. So, yeah. Yeah, Sorry it's... Anti-anti. No, it's... It's really tough, especially, you know, this is one of the... Um, Things that I've mentioned about Iron Man, it seems as though, you know, for a, for a time when I first started streaming and everything, I was always pro Iron Man, you know, like Iron Man's the best. Um, and then, you know, collect, with collection log and with just, I think, uh, the never-ending chores of Iron Man, I think there's this, like, false vision for Iron Man that think, like, if I progress enough on this account, I'll eventually become a main, basically. Like, I'll eventually never have to worry about supplies again because I'll just have done so much. It never... The, 
this is a secret to all of you guys. It never ends. The chores never end. So uh, just keep that in mind. But I think we're at the era of mains, you know, where you mains really do get the satisfaction of kind of being an Iron Man with the collection log. I think for so long, the, f mm -hmm. the real fun of Iron Man was just you get something and you know you got it on your account. But now you sort of have that with collection log. Um, for sure. Yeah. I, I think Iron Man as a whole is a very interesting one because the is cynical the right word? I don't know. I always just call myself grumpy when I say these things. Is that like catering for Iron Man? I think there are many instances where it makes sense, and that there are gameplay um, choices that you have to make that, as a main, do not impact you whatsoever, and they never would. But as an Iron Man, it just doesn't really make all that much sense and obviously over time we've changed a lot of things and it has undoubtedly made the iron man experience infinitely easier than when it was on release is that a bad thing or a good thing i i think that's a difficult question to answer because in in my eyes i would have been as as a player the way that i approach games i would have been okay accepting iron man never changing to suit iron man from the day that it was implemented until the last update that the game ever received. As long as I got those updates in the same way that mains do, I would be fine with it. Because the way I approach things is like, I am putting myself into that situation. I'm making the choice to have that account and play this way. These are the limitations that are set on it. There, that's the reason why I played Iron Man over a main. But there are obviously a lot of people that are very different in the way that they approach and they want to play Iron Man because they enjoy it. And they want their experience to be much more enjoyable as an Iron Man. And really the changes, obviously over time, have been really big. But in, you know, the small changes individually, then they're, they're pretty insignificant for the most part. Um, so, yeah, that's a difficult one to balance. And that's probably why, you know, you see a lot of people saying the game's catered towards Iron Men. But if we have a majority of people that are playing Iron Man, it would just be stupid to not give those players who are paying membership and have a right to be able to have updates the same way that mains do to just say no to them because mm -hmm. some people out there believe that Iron Men should have stayed the way that it was and never have any changes to make it, the experience better. And I think as a whole, Iron Man has improved vastly from what it was when it was first implemented anyway so maybe it is a good thing but yeah my personal take on it is that i would i would be fine with it being as hardcore as it could be because that would be why i would choose to play it and have it as that flex similarly with like these stretch items too you know some people were talking about next sorry i'm going on a rant here but <laughs> you know if like next having drop rates in the you know one in whatever thousand it was and it takes so many hundreds of hours to get the item completely unhealthy when you think about it in terms of a gameplay experience but if you really want that item and you get that item you get to flex it and you can grind for it and those long-term goals are something that i strive for in games i wouldn't call myself a completionist by any form but if there's an option to like play hardcore or to go the harder route i will take it because i like that challenge um unless i'm playing diablo because i've died so many times it would have been uh, a bitter experience but still yeah. sorry i'll stop now now I, um, i'll just bring up one last thing and, and, and until we ask uh, another question but one of it was you know going back to blood rune packs and like you just want you just want to have fun you know you just want to like do the yeah. content that you want to enjoy immediately um i just want to say like if i feel like you can never I feel like the problem is bots that ruin this. 
um, is the idea that skilling can actually be good and can actually make you money. I don't think that's really a a thing you can even do because of the fact that bots exist and skilling generally is very easy to just program a bot to do. Um, but it would be amazing if skilling, you know, back in the day, but when, when old school first came out, Runecrafting Natures was the best money maker. Like that's so insane to think of a, a skilling method being the best money maker. And we just don't have that anymore. So now skilling is like just absolute chores. It's just, you have to do this and there's no incentive to do it other than just leveling up, which is, which sucks. Yeah, it, it does. You're right. It, but at the same time, um, as you've said, like bots exist, there's no point trying to pretend that they don't. And yeah, skilling activities as a whole are relatively easy to bot. And it, whilst, um, I, I know that currently the situation, um, from the community's perspective is, is not great right now. Uh, and you know, we still do make every effort to tackle bots. I, I, I think um, Sween spoke about this before in a previous interview. It is, it's an arms race, right? And even if we were to put the most resource that you could imagine in the world against stopping bots, people would still find a way. And if they didn't bot, then they would just gold farm manually and sell, which would still cause the same problem. Um, so it's, it is a really difficult thing to manage. And I, I wish that we had like a really easy solution to it because... I would love to re-experience those moments where skilling was profitable. Mm -hmm. um, I just think we're so far past that as a as a game and the way that the game has like developed anyway now that we just won't really get back to that situation, uh, at least not easily. So, yeah. Okay. Um, if you could force one thing into the game without a pull, what would it be, Swain? Uh, sailing. I think players will love it. And then I think that will get the ball rolling for being open toward other skills too. And I think people would then, having experienced the skill, I think they'd be more open-minded about receiving skills in the future. Because I think just, I, I, almost as with leagues, when we first pitched the idea of leagues, there was no reference point. People were very unsure. We said, hey, we weren't going to poll it because we don't have to do it technically because it's a different game mode, which is how we did that. But then when, when the thing dropped and people were like, okay, cool, I get what you're doing here. And they, they were then looking forward to you know the second league. And then they played that and they loved it and then so on. And I think the same thing would happen with the new skill, to be honest. Uh, and sailing, just it looks it's, it's, it's coming along so nicely. The team are doing a great job in terms of presenting it to the player base. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really stoked to kind of like following it. I'm not close to the project really. Uh, I'm seeing the kind of the discussions being had and the, the blogs come in before they're published um, and the you know the, the really cool work from Gentle Tractor and Screek Monge in terms of getting the I don't know if I said that right, but no, I think you did getting the information. Yeah, in terms of getting the you know the infographics and the videos ready, right? It's, it's so great. So I, I'm, I've got very high hopes. I hope it passes, but I would add it without a poll, uh, any chance I could. Okay, Aiza. Um, honestly, I'm going to be really boring and just agree with Sween on that one. Um, I think just a, a new skill generally um, would be good. I think sailing is going to be absolutely fantastic when it releases. And just re-echoing that 
I, I, the team are doing such a bloody good job with it, and we are we are genuinely as a as a community team working our asses off. And props to Model Light for this because she has really just been the driving force um, from the community side to to work with the players as much as possible um, because we really want them to also uh, see just how much potential it would have and for there to be a chance of it to be added to the game. And it's it's not just because I'm a sailing shill. I originally and still, um, you know. Would have chosen shamanism as my as my personal favorite first skill to go into the game, but I'm actually really glad that sailing was the one that has been chosen because I think it will make for a much better first skill than shamanism would have because it just shows how much potential we have as a dev team to actually be creative and just do something different. Yeah. Um, whereas shamanism would have been very similar to uh, it would have still been different, but the but the basis of shamanism was it was um, very similar to the core skills that we already have in in old school um which was a good and bad thing i think that's why a lot of people resonated with it because it was more familiar but i i, I think people are going to be blown away by sailing um should it pass so yeah okay i have a more controversial answer to it as well but i'm not sure if i if i want to go into that yet maybe there's another question that i can pull that one out of so i'll save it for now mm. um i want to ask you guys so for the let's just say a player was kind of excited for a new skill but now is having second thoughts is there something you can say that would make them rehyped for sailing or something you can i don't not leak but just something you can say that might pique their interest again uh, about sailing specifically not just a new skill about sailing um, specifically hmm go on sorry about sailing specifically I would say just engage with as much of the content we're putting out as possible. I was also in the kind of camp of I'd rather shamanism or taming than sailing, to be honest. Uh, sailing was my least favorite. But I think where did my mind like really change and start to rally around the skill? I think some community suggestions, particularly gentle tractors. Um, I can't remember the name of the pitch, but that, you know, that massive sea expansion, it looked very kind of similar to WoW, with the big maelstrom in the middle and stuff. It looked really cool. And then Modern Inn's prototype work was so good. When he showed that in Game Jam and we were you know, all in the auditorium again, it, you, you see it and you visualize it. And even though, obviously, it's bare bones, there's black sky or like the black void and the old school sea tiles <laughs> and the boat was moving a little bit jankily you see it and you start to believe and then you think okay i know what our art team can do with this i know what our devs and designers can do with this so yeah i think just look at like the, the real skeleton the real bare bones of what we're pitching and then just look at the, the quality we've introduced and in content over the last couple of years uh, and then you know just i think just come on the journey with us you've got plenty of opportunities to have your say so if you're having second doubts or second thoughts about your vote, or even if you didn't vote for sailing originally, I'd say just, you know, try and be a bit, maybe approach it as a, as a bit indifferent as possible rather than opposed to it. Read the blogs, watch the videos, and just try and put yourself in the shoes where you're you're willing to listen. And I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Awesome. Aiza, any other thoughts? Um, not, not really. I, I, I'm trying to think of like a key thing that I could say that hasn't already been shown already. But like, if if what you've seen so far, um, first of all, if you haven't seen what we've done so far, like Sween says, make sure that you check out everything we've we've been doing 
pretty much as much as possible, um, probably more than we should be doing in all honesty. If you don't want to read the blogs, we have videos. If you don't want to watch a video, we have images. If you don't want to look at an image, we have stage discussions that are like a podcast <laughs> that you can listen to. Literally, we have gone above and beyond to try and make sure that the information is out there as much as possible. So first of all, yeah, check out everything that we've done so far. I think the thing that I would say is that because I, I personally don't believe that there is a way to turn around people who are just vehemently against sailing into wanting sailing. If, if you just don't want it as a skill, then fair enough. Uh, I hope that there is a way that we can show you otherwise, but I think it's going to be a very difficult thing to do without it being in-game for you to experience. And that's what I would say, is wait for it to come out in the game. Give it a chance. Give it a fair shot because we really believe in sailing as a team. There's a lot of players in the community that really believe in sailing as well. Um, and it will open up doors for us to explore other skills in the future. You know, we've already said that we would want to put shamanism into refinement um, if the players wanted it after sailing was finished, if it did pass. Uh, and what else could come after that? You know, I. I am so excited for sailing because we are going to be doing things that we've never done before in the game, right? And if you look at the thing like Tombs of Amaska as an, as an example of recent content, that I think was absolutely incredible. Super innovative, absolutely beautiful in terms of its art, the design, the mechanics. And if that's what we can do with a raid, imagine what we can do with an entire skill that opens up a new continent, pretty much like a whole new map. The sea has never been explored before. All the new pieces of content that you can access as a result of that. Maybe I am actually selling sailing to people now, you know, I think about it. <laughs> but like, yeah, if you like Tombs of Amaska, well, what about what about the underwater version of Tombs of Amaska? I was going to try and be funny, but like, I can't I think in the moment. As long as flippers work. Did you know the flippers still don't work underneath Fishing Trawler? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, right, I have to on. say that. I have to say, because it's just been years. Is, since is this a Q&A or is it a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's a saving no, cast. You know, it's the same. It's yeah. my agenda. Yeah, entering it. But yeah, just keep keep an open mind. And maybe maybe you don't like sailing as a skill. But what about the concept of sailing and the potential that it has to unlock the rest of the game, like for the rest of the game and for the players? Um, it, it is basically what I would go with. I think. I love it. Flow the gamer asks when leagues four. So, well, for the Winter Summit, we said, we're not going to talk about leagues in the Winter Summit, so don't bother us, don't pester us, please. We'll tell you more at the Summer Summit. And that's still the same case. I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have anything new to share. But I, maybe we can, Aiza uh, and I have both been working on getting this, the Summer Summit ready. We've got a date in mind. We're not ready to announce it yet. But, yeah, maybe tune into that. Okay. Well said. Awesome. Okay. Um, Mitch asks, how do you feel the poll system has changed over the years? Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel at the start of OSRS, it wasn't nearly as in-depth as it is now. Is that making development counterproductive or slowing it down? Also, there's less events, etc. It feels, are the team as happy? So a bunch of different questions, mainly regarding the poll um system 
Oh, interesting one. You know what? That's a perfect segue. Remember I said I had a controversial thing I was going to raise about like <laughs> what would oh, yeah. I do about a poll? So I'll, I'll, I'll save that one till the end of this, but I'll talk about the polls part for sure. Um, how do we feel about them? Uh, and the point that Mitch raised there was that they feel way more uh, in depth now than they used to. Is that right? Yeah, in yeah. depth. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's, it's very true. I think if you went back like before the new polling charter was introduced, it was very much getting to the point of being way too granular, too much being polled that was just not necessary, um, too many specifics. And um, that for sure had uh, implications for both the players and also the dev team. Players were experiencing burnout. We would see less and less votes per poll and the devs felt like a lot of their creative freedom was restricted because every minor detail needed to go through the system. Um, and then obviously we looked at making a change and the polling charter sought to do that. So I think uh, this year has been very experimental for us because it's the first time that we've actually implemented it. So we're still learning. But the aim is that going forward, the polls should be a lot less granular than they are. Um, you know, we've now introduced what we call uh, the green light stage, which is providing very top level information. Um, to say, should we actually start developing this? And then we can pull the specifics at a later date. And those specifics in most cases should just be around the premise of rewards. Um, maybe a certain area that we want to get extra information on or clarity around. We don't want to make a decision ourselves. We want to give that to the players. We will look to poll. But we are trying to get back to that um, era of more top level polls for content as opposed to having everything scrutinized down to the T in a blog and then having 50 questions in a poll for one piece of content. Um, but we're also, as I said, experimenting this year and trying to find our feet with it and exactly what is that right balance between giving enough information so that players feel like they're uh, able to actually vote informed um, versus giving too much and going down that road of, yeah, basically burning everyone out across the board. I think the skill has been one of the biggest highlights of that, even though we've not actually polled any of the individual granular pieces of it just yet. That's still to come if the skill was to pass. Um, but just the like the length that we've gone to in terms of consultation, for example, has been really extensive. But I think that we're getting there. I, I think we've made some really good improvements. If you look at the likes of Forestry, for example, um, I think in previous iterations of polling, we probably would have looked at, you know, maybe even polling individual effects of the events or how much reward you would get from the events. Whereas this time it was like, should we update the core woodcutting? Should we add these events? Should we add these rewards? And should we explore these rewards? And that's pretty much all that you got. And then we worked with it, came back and presented something. So, yeah, difficult one. I feel like we're on the right tracks. Um, I would love for us to get to a position where... At the start of the year, we're able to just basically go out with our entire perceived roadmap of content that we would like to release and green light it uh, for the entire year. You know, so say, for example, we want to have two raids, three skilling updates, two PvP updates, uh, a league with the rewards. Um, I don't know what else we could throw in there, but that's all just put out there as a should we do those things? And then when it comes to actually starting developing them, 
then we'll talk about the rewards, but you get no information other than updates during our like progress, uh, you know, development. What, what year is this? Where we're dropping two raids in a league. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I'm living, living, in, living in dreamland, mate. I know, I know. But... <laughs> All right, it's an example. So yeah, um, I, I think I think that we're getting there. It's, I, I think the new system that we implemented is much better than what we had before. I should bloody hope so because I was the one that put it together, and if not, I kind of like <laughs> failed. But <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to understand actually how other players feel about it because um, it is a really important part of old school. It's part of its core now, uh, and you know we are known as the game that polls everything to the players, but. There has to be a balance at some point. Like, I would love for us to get to the place of being able to explore content and just excite players again by releasing something that, that you know nothing about other than the fact that you voted for it in the first place. Um, but understandably, you know, the game's been out for 10 years. We've polled in a certain way for so long. Um, I think those early polls that were being referred to by Mitch were literally in the first few years of old school being out where there wasn't really a community management team there wasn't an extensive dev team the player base was nowhere near as big as it was now so it was a lot easier to be as fluid as they were back then um now we have a lot more things to consider and um for the most part for us in cm anyway the reason we went down that road of really long polls and a lot of information was because we just wanted to make sure that players were really happy with the content before it came out and to also secure the fact that the content itself would pass. Um, we were working in a, I would say, a really unhealthy way, to be honest, which is why we made the change. You know, we would be polling stuff that would already be halfway into development. And if they were to fail at that point, then we could have wasted months worth of dev time that could have been worked else on, on you know, put elsewhere. Yep. So we really wanted to just ensure the best amount of success. So the way we do that is, okay, we'll just go as granular as possible because that way there are no surprises. People can't turn around and say, well, what about this? That's going to make me vote no because I don't know about that. And it's like, okay, we preempt that uh, and we put that out to the players. But you know, we've also seen that in the long term, that's not so beneficial, especially as the player base grows and player habits change. It's too difficult to stay on top of the dynamic of what every player wants at any given moment in time. So we are trying to scale back. I think that we're on the right path. Um, for my controversial opinion, I'll wrap up with this and let Alec, uh, let Sween, sorry, uh, just reveal whatever he wants to reveal. I, um, I would like us, and this isn't going to happen for what it's worth. This is personal opinion. And I'll caveat this with saying, I used to be the exact opposite of what I'm about to say. The exact opposite. I was a vehement supporter of the poll system, but I actually really think that old school would thrive just as much as it does now, if not even more, if the poll system in the form that it is in the moment didn't exist. And we were able to just release content as and when we wanted to in the way that we saw fit based off our understanding of the player base now, because we know so much more than we used to before. We are so much closer to the players than we ever have been before. And I feel like we have the best team that we've ever had before as well like old school as a team are at its strongest that i've known it for the last five years at least so yeah i would i would like to see the polls turn into more advisory rather than um dictatory if that's a word i think it is so i'm gonna um, you know just add something briefly before sween uh adds his remarks i honestly am in full agreement with like you guys kind of just taking the wheel on some of these updates have you considered polling something that says would you guys be interested in us releasing something 
where we don't tell you, but it won't be a huge update. It'll just be a, you know, a new boss or something, but we're not going to tell you anything and then see if 70% votes yes to that. So you truly do have like full control over something, but it's still polled as like, would you guys be willing to give us trust and allow us to make an update without your guys's basically feedback? I, I think, uh, Considering it in an official capacity, it would be wrong of me to say yes, because I don't recall any moment where that has happened with at least me being present at the time. Um, have I thought about it, though? Absolutely. And is there a future where we could get to that point? I think so. If we continue to prove the polling charter that we have it at the moment works and we continue to solidify trust within the community when it comes to the content we release, I think that we could get there. I don't think it would have been possible had we not done the polling charter reform um, beforehand. And I, yeah. I also want to make sure that everyone understands that that's not the reason that we made changes to the polling system. The, the reason we made those were for the health of the game and for also the development team. Um, the post itself explains it. If you want to see more, just check out the homepage of oldschoolrunescape.com and it's listed on the left-hand side, just near game status page, which you can also go to to check if there are any issues with the game, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I think with, with that in place and over time as that trust with a new way of polling or a different way of polling continues to grow, I, I hope so. Awesome. Sween, what are your thoughts on the polling system? I, I love it. I think it's a very unique proposition that we have. Uh, I, I think, sure, I'd make some changes. I'd like to see us go a bit more advisory. But I also, I don't know, like the Democrat in me does like... It like I like just the the fact that players have the option to just say no if they want to say no. It's yeah. awesome, and especially you know looking at like day to day life and politics and votes and elections and stuff. We don't have anywhere near as much control as we do with old school. It's just nice to still have that. I mean, one thing I'd encourage would be for players to maybe oh you know what the birthday stream we did this year when our CEO came on uh, and was talking about like old how when old school first was released. Give give that a listen. Phil Mod Pips goes into a lot of detail. He has like a lot of new stories and stuff. And he basically said what I'm going to say, which is the poll system. We've just been making it up as we've gone along. That's all old school is. We're making it up as we go along. And I think we've done a pretty good job so far. Uh, while while Aiza was talking and answering, I had a little look back at some of the earlier polls, and one really stuck out to me was a content poll 13 from November 2013. Imagine if we polled these questions in the same way they are today oh, and the players would say, shall we introduce a cooperative slayer system so you can slay with friends? And that's it. There's no talk about how it's going to affect, you know, what tasks, how often, how does it work? What's the XP? Are you breaking the game? Is it going to shut out blah, 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 blah? Uh, should we introduce a new slayer master similar in level to uh, Simona? That's the question. There's no talk about what months is going to be assigned or anything like that. Nothing about that in the dev blog either. And then this one, that's <laughs> cool. Should we introduce a new Slayer dungeon with segregated Slayer monsters, which you can only attack if you have them as an assignment? So, Stronghold Slayer dungeon, that's how it was added. There's no talk about what's going to be in there or how easy it is to bank and restock or cannons and whatnot. It's just that, that question. It's such a far cry from, say, some of the detail we were going into like a year or two years ago. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, that is it's funny. Difference. Yeah, I mean... And that's just because we've been making up as we've gone along. We've responded to player player needs at the time, you know? I say like 2018, to that kind of era, 
players were really keen on understanding the effect and impact of what we're adding. So everything needed to have XP rates. And then we'd, we'd get them wrong because the, the content doesn't exist yet. We're only going by the best of knowledge. But then some of those players would say, you lied. You lied. It was malicious. You did it on purpose. You lied to us. <laughs> you cheated to get into the game. And actually, we just tried to release something and balance it as best we can. It didn't exist, and then it existed. Come on. It's, it's difficult. <laughs> I might be pop, just part of that problem, but yeah. No, it's cool. I get it. I understand why. <laughs> but that's just, that's just, it is what it is. I understand why players are, are the way they are, and I, they're well within their rights to be. But I, I was just kind of drawing attention to the contrast and how we were, you know, some of the questions from then to t- like 2018, that kind of era, and then to now. Where some of these questions do read as almost, some of these questions in 2013, to clarify, do read as almost like the green light poles we have now. It's quite funny to see us revert back to that but with a better process behind it in terms of development. Yeah, that's interesting. It's so hard to please everybody too. And yeah, it's it's tough because as much as I think a large portion of the player base would love for the team, passionate devs to make content that they're passionate about without having to go through all these steps of polling, um, the game is what it is because you know we do have the polling system. I think that's a... A big part of it and losing that i think just in and of itself even if updates continue to be good i think there would just be this almost like the shroud of like mistrust or something that would i don't know yeah come you kind of you kind of hit it there with with what i was just gonna follow up on from your comment there was it, that that mistrust exists for so many players and even for players that weren't around or playing runescape at the time when you know things that happened that they didn't agree with, that is very much in everyone's mind, and it gets shared very often. And I actually think it's probably one of the most difficult things to deal with now. There are so many times where we'll see things that will crop up where players have been like, "Jagex have done this just so that they can do this. It's all a ploy. They're doing it to." What's there's a there's a theory of some sort. I can't remember the term for it. Where like you basically do something bad on purpose to then do something good so that you can like trick them and like <laughs> that. That's just not true. You just make mistakes sometimes. But like everyone is so easy, like so quickly to jump on the train of like uh, just being like cynical and and that distrust. So the polling system definitely keeps that in check. And I think that for those people that do have those trust issues with Jagex and, you know, rightly so for them, um, if they've experienced it or whatnot, then that would be the first thing that they would revert to if it was a conversation of should we remove the poll system. So... I don't think we should remove it, by the way, outright. Even if uh, we did do what I suggested, I would still like to see the advisory part be there. Yeah. Um, and polls used to dictate changes and feedback just no longer be holding um, content hostage. It would be more the actual detail behind the content that players would be um, deciding on. So. Awesome. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, 42 asks, Endgame content like TOB Inferno has a huge publicity effect for the game. Why is this not valued? Uh, We've kind of already covered this. Um, uh, He also has two more questions. I'll just list them right now. How would you describe the direction the game is heading versus how you'd prefer it? And minimum number of clicks for Prif course. (laughs) 
I've never done the first course. So. <laughs> it's, it's not that great anyway, so that's fine. Yeah. Well, I, I tell a lie. I did do it because I, I got to playtest um, Song of the Elves back when I was full-time streaming. I got invited in. Um, so I did do it, but I can't remember it, and I've not done it since. So I don't know the minimum number of clicks either. So, yeah. That's, that's too much information in someone's mind. <laughs> Okay. I've kind of got the actual questions now. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> the direction of the game. Uh, I, I think the direction of the game is very bright. I came back for a reason because I think we're going to be doing great stuff. Uh, Mod Marcos, our AP, executive producer, uh, is very, very popular with the team. He's kind of empowering the team to deliver content for every player. So we keep saying it's, it's really difficult to make everyone happy. That's right. It's true. But he's giving us a chance to do so. And I think that's really positive. It feels also like players seem to be moving in the same kind of direction when it comes to to what they want as well. Uh, so yeah, I think that I think we're moving in the right direction. I I think we had a really difficult like twenty twenty into twenty twenty one. You know, you only need to look at the stuff we released or the amount of content. And part of that, and a huge part of that, is down to the disruption caused by COVID and stuff. But. I, I think we also didn't have the right kind of leadership structure in place, but now we do, and now things are firmly back on track, I believe. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would also say the same. I'm really excited for the future of old school. You know, we've got like... An Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. New skill on the horizon, a whole bunch of other content that we're yet to talk about. Stay tuned for the potential news of a summer summit. Find out a little bit more there. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, you know, that I be truly believe that the old school team is the strongest that it's ever been in the history of old school existing. And that is such an amazing thing to be able to say. I have so much confidence in every member of the team that works on old school uh, from, you know, every aspect of what we do. So I like it. I like what we're doing. I like where we're going. I like how the roadmap is being changed slightly to accommodate various different areas of the game. Hopefully players have seen that this year as well. Focus on PvP with a mix of quests and skilling changes, a new raid. There's still loads more to come for the second half of the year. So yeah, the future's bright. The future's old school. Awesome. Um, just going to touch on that first thing he brought up, even though we already touched on it. Do you guys have any data or anything that can even really tell what the effect is of the publicity of you know inferno or tob you know where like thirty thousand people are watching wooks or something is that even relevant uh like on your guys's end like does that have a a big effect i know as the us as players i think we see that as like this is a huge mark of success but does it show in like the numbers on your guys's end at all it shows. It's something to be proud of, for sure. Uh, but in terms of like the, you know, the, I think the question was about the effect that the publicity has. So, mm -hmm. like, I think commercially, 
did that level of publicity for the Inferno and Theatre of Blood translate into lots of players joining the game or coming back to the game or subscribing? No, not really. Minimal impact. Uh, and that was a learning experience, and we've learned from that. And it's, it's partly why some like endgame content now has been adapted to become more accessible. Because if you think about it, just because there's some really cool content on the front page of Twitch, or like he, like maybe it's trending on YouTube or something, a player might be like, oh, okay, cool. And then they look, and then they realize they can't access it for... <laughs> how long? I don't know. 2017, right? You're watching The Inferno. 2017 gear and stats and stuff. You're, just, you're, you're very far away from being able to attempt it from a fresh account, someone watching that stream for the first time. But the publicity is still really valuable. It's, it's just not it's not as cut and dry as, well, this has got loads of views, so it must be great for the game. You can do tons of stuff like that that might necessarily not be good for the game. Uh, commercially, the stuff that's good for games is getting in front of brand new audiences. So mobile is great. Leagues is awesome. It's like a new opportunity for players to rally around and, and join from day. You know, you can start leagues and you've got XP boost and stuff. So it's appealing to new players. Uh, if we were to move them to new platforms or new territories, languages and stuff, when there are no imminent plans to do that. But if we were, that's the type of thing that's probably going to be like the, the big, uh, uh, it's proper like crap marketing term, but that's like the, the big needle mover. If we're only thinking in terms of commercial. But we also do value viewership as a success metric too. It's a state of, it's, a, it's, it's, it's less a commercial number and more like an indicator of how healthy the community is, which is still really valuable to us. I mean, it's one, we have like two main objectives for the year for a little publishing team that so Aiza and I uh, are part of. Uh, and one of them is just to grow the player base, straightforward. And the other one is to be like, a, a leader in community sentiment so we still do value viewership as a part of that too if it's good for creators it's good for the game just because they're but they're being looked after they've got lots of viewers and they're, they're they're going to carry on making content even though that's not a direct translation into a new player or a new subscriber it's a a, a good indicator of health which is a good indicator of how healthy we are as a game long term because it's aspirational content at the end of the day too. If a player does come in, having something to work toward like the Inferno is what's, what's going to keep them driving towards grinding and and making progress in the game and sticking with it. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, Ayusa. I don't think I can say anything that Sween hasn't already said. So. All right. Well. I want to ask, uh, what? so I was just asking about the effect of like, you know, viewership with those big updates. Um, how big is it, uh, if you guys even know, if there's a way to know, um, of just the community as in like the content creators, the YouTubers, the streamers, how big of an effect does that have on the overall player base? I think a lot of the time the player base if you are in that content creator scene, it almost seems like all the players do watch Twitch and watch YouTube, but there's probably a huge number of players that don't maybe watch that. But I guess my uh, question is how big of an impact does having like really amazing content creators um, have on the game? I, I can't talk in terms of membership, but I'll happily talk on a sentiment level because for us, sentiment within community is a pretty significant stat that we want to look towards. Um, you know, the, 
the more positive people are talking about the game, obviously the better it is for us. And in terms of like content creation, I would say that it's one of the largest drivers for positive sentiment for us across the board. Um, social media is the largest negative driver, especially when you see, you know, like more um, negative threads on the likes of Reddit, but also across Twitter. But YouTube is always consistently positive and we attribute that towards our creators and the work that they do. So we can often notice that if there's been like a big update and a lot of our creators have started making videos on them, I say our creators, old school creators, sorry, <laughs> have made content around it, then that will that will help drive increased positive sentiment. And um, we're able to attribute, you know, the scale of that as well. And it is pretty significant um, when you look at the whole community. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe swing. I don't know if there's much you can say in terms of uh, the actual membership side of things, but... No, that's really hard to quantify. We, we've we got a lot of behind-the-scenes tech work um, looking at how we can better attribute marketing. It's really cool, but also really boring. But going forward, we should be able to better have a, an idea of what the effects of con like a, a such the thriving content creator scene we've got is. But I've just pulled up some results from the 2022 annual survey just to see if there's any indicator of how many people self-report watching streams and stuff. We didn't out... We, we've kind of asked stuff in, in, a, in an odd way uh, in hindsight. I wasn't here, I'm, so I'm going to blame it on my absence. Uh, but we... So we asked players, when learning about when learning about old school, how would you prefer to get information? Um, so this is less about, you know, what you're doing in terms of entertainment and watching stuff and more focused on the educational learning about what's going on with the game uh 29 of players said they follow old school runescape youtube videos now bear in mind to complete this survey you're probably going to be a bit more uh engaged with what the what we're up to so the average player didn't complete the survey so maybe that 29% becomes, I don't know, 20%. I'm making it up. So maybe mm -hmm. one-fifth of players watch old-school RuneScape YouTube videos, which is huge, which means that there's a massive amount of influence, YouTubers. And then I think if you, you know, it makes sense to say that's probably a similar amount to watch live streams generally too. Yeah. So it's not quite answering your question, but maybe that's a bit of insight into the influence they have. Maybe not as much as you might think, but still uh, a huge amount, like a fifth of our, if a fifth of our players are in... You know, following your every word, then it could be dangerous. Okay. Um, yeah, my question was a bit, uh, you know, vague anyway. But um, okay, so Blueberry Central asks, "What do you guys think Jagex should do to attract the new generation of people to play old school?" Um, be more open and visible about marketing, which we're doing a good job of. Um, it's really important. People need to see what we're up to. Just making new content is fine, but players need to hear about the content. So that's where we have to kind of bridge the gap or we put ourselves on new platforms. I hate to say it, but we need to stay more up to date with trends like just, you know, better optimizing what we're doing on YouTube, uh, what we're doing and how we're handling our Twitch. Also, uh, I'd say up and coming, but it's 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 there, and we just haven't used it yet. Like TikTok, I hate it, but it is there. <laughs> People use it; it's very very popular. And then I think looking at the game, I've and looking at success of say one one seven HD, and then uh, what HDOS are doing. I think an optional graphical upgrade, official graphical upgrade, is really important. 
I wouldn't want to change anything to do with how the gameplay works or game mechanics. We are the game we are. Mm-hmm. But in terms of presentation and how we talk about it and where we talk about it, that's where we that's where the biggest opportunity is, I think. Yeah. Um now I don't know if it's like against your guys's uh I, I don't even know. But whenever we see play tests or anything like that, it seems as though whenever like I'm watching a QA and you guys are in game, you always get that black sky, you know, the black void. And it's like the render distance is so bad. It's like, is that just because you have to? Or have you guys ever considered, like, would it be ethical for you guys to, like, play on 117 HD or something that, like, shows the game a little bit better? Because I swear, that sailing presentation, even though, yes, it's still in the skeleton (laughs) phases, it didn't, I don't think it captured the imagination too well of people. So, Um, like, I think we, we, yeah, no, you go, you answer. Oh. I was going to say, like, the the reality is that we can't. Um, so the way that the sailing demo, for example, was set up was in a with a test environment on our servers. With uh, it was essentially running a different version of the client entirely. Mm. So RuneLight just simply can't work alongside of it. Similarly, with our more um, uh, enhanced client that we have available now as well, it just won't function with it until it's been actually developed to work with those client versions. It very much was in a test environment and that goes the same for a lot of the things that you get that you see when we are demoing them it's because they're not converted into what is like live game ready or a live game state so the client versions are incorrect um there's a lot of i don't want to say hacks but i think it's the best way as a non-technical person to say it you know a lot of technical hacks that are done to make things work the way that they do when they wouldn't normally work that way for the purpose of being able to prove that it's possible that they can, you know, the devs will then actually develop what is needed to make that happen. Um, but yeah, for the, for the most part, it's just because we simply can't. Um, we do have the functionality to be able to load test content through RuneLight. I believe that was something that was worked on uh, alongside the, the team at RuneLight and our engine team um, so that we could have access to those extra features and also make sure that certain things just work the way they should or at least appear the way they should so we can at times give a bit of a heads up to the team where possible over at rune like that is and other clients but um that is again reliant on the fact that the content that's being tested is in a release ready state so we have uh you know rc which is known as release content when it's in that state that means that it is essentially ready to be added to the game after it's been finally tested and that can then be worked on in the likes of you know rune light or the enhanced client and stuff but if it doesn't reach that phase it just won't work okay that makes a lot more sense do you have anything to add swain or is are we good uh i think rc is release candidate oh just... candidate then okay instead of content <laughs> I, don't anyway. I don't know uh, but also <laughs> he was just uh, stuck on that he didn't even hear the rest of what you were saying that's a good impression, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Practice that one just for today. No, I'm just winding her up. Uh, no, you, you're right. The sailing stuff it could have looked better had, had we act, had the ability to to do so. Yeah, uh, remote controlled. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm hoping. It'd be nice to be able to show stuff in a more visually appealing way, yeah. uh, especially because. A lot of it is us being like, hey, look how cool this is. And then it doesn't look cool. <laughs> Even though the technical stuff is awesome, it needs to it needs to look good too to marry up with it properly. Yeah. So I'm hopeful in the future we'll be able to. 
That would yeah, somewhere I, that would be cool. The sailing demo, especially, like we were so begrudged to like release it on that tech demo because of the fact that we knew people would talk about the skybox and the the draw distance and such. And yeah. well, lo and behold, guess what happened? That's every everything. single yeah. comment was about it. I'm like, yep, we know. Even though we put so many disclaimers with the with text printed yeah. on the screen, it's still the one thing that people bring up. And it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, we're we're so visual. Like we need to whatever we see is what is going to be in our imagination and so that yeah, that's just unfortunate i guess but um luckily we can know that everything we saw is the worst it'll look so yeah i mean yeah we, we never even planned to show that to anyone we had no idea that it was being worked on like honestly that mm -hmm. was done during game jam by mod nin because he wanted to prove that it was possible and we hadn't expected that to be done. So when we got shown it, we were just all blown away. And I, I made the call there and then I was like, right, we have to show this to the players. No matter what backlash we get from the way that it looks, if they see this, it's going to suddenly prove that it's possible. And so many people out there doubt the fact that we could actually make sailing work. And lo and behold, Mod Nin, the absolute genius that he is, was able to pull it off in four days, I think it was. So um, yeah, that that's, that's why, it, you know, it, if we had planned to have done it, we would have got it to a point where it ever looked much better. But we hadn't. The point where that was going to be shown was literally ready the week afterwards. And we've got a pretty tight schedule to work towards with sailing to make sure that we can finish consultation in a good enough time so that we still have enough development time to make the skill release in good time. Because obviously, if we keep going for months and months and months, it just pushes the potential release if it was to pass back. So it was just one of those where we just have to we just have to accept it and we hope that players will just see the good of it and look past the fact that it's a technical demo that looks uh, less than ideal. Yeah. Uh, I do have a quick question. So if sailing is released, is all the water in the game going to be replaced by a new graphical enhanced water besides the blue carpet that we know and love? Well, I don't know about love, but no. Uh, I believe it's been mentioned in a blog in this the the first one in fact about around navigation um but we are we are discussing you know changing the the way that the water looks and acts I think it needs to be updated you can't just keep the current carpet texture so I imagine to some degree I can't confirm just yet because a lot of these things like we very much like touched the surface of checked if it's actually technically feasible feasibly possible but uh until the skill actually passes we won't actually go into committing on anything on it but i i, I would say pretty confidently that we would have to look at changing it in some way shape or form but the key thing to remember is that anything that we do still needs to make it feel true to old school and old yeah. school style and um I would hope to think that many people out there will will believe that that is the case with a lot of the recent developments the art team have been doing, you know, over the course of the last um, twelve months. Yeah, I'm just. Imagining... I, I wouldn't want to yeah, yeah, go change all the water. Like, look at some of that water behind the waterfall, um, <laughs> the location and stuff. I, I'd want to keep some stuff looking really janky, as like a bit <laughs> of a relic to the past. I was gonna, but... I was gonna say, like, it would be really cool if like all the water changes, but there's like little. Easter eggs here and there where you see the blue carpet again. <laughs> You're like, oh. Yeah, I, I would also like that too. And I think that that would make sense as well, right? Especially rivers and such. But um, yeah. We'll just We're have to see, really. To the, to the 
because Aiza, you were very carefully, very dutifully towing the line on what you say or don't say. But I'm happy to read verbatim from the blog we published. So this is already out there, so we can't get in trouble. The question is, are you going to be adding a skybox or making the ocean look more immersive? Uh, and we said, a lot of players have mentioned how their feeling of immersion might be a teeny bit affected by sailing through a black void and unmoving seas, and we agree. Work to improve our skybox and the oceans, and possibly other bodies of water along with them, is underway. These are not tied to sailing, but would certainly make it better. And we'll talk to you more about these once we're in a better place to show you what we mean. And I remember writing that now. So that okay. is the answer. Very cool. Love to hear that. There you have it. All right. Lemois asks, there used to be lots of events and tournaments such as Clan Cups, uh, King of the Skill, PvP All-Stars, Wilderness Wars, and Quarterly Deadman Modes. Why are none of them happening anymore? Do you have any plans on bringing any of these back and reigniting the, uh, the competitive side of OSRS? There was, it was, it was like a frenzy, wasn't it? Like that 2016, 17, 18, there was always something happening. And that meant that the quality of these events wasn't great. I, I joined in June of 2017. We had the Inferno and, and stuff. And then quite quick, like really quick succession. We had Dead Man straight after. The summer one. Mm -hmm. Um, then we had the PvP Championship, and there were three brackets. So it was 1v1, I want to say 5 versus 5, and then a 20 versus 20. And then I think a week after that, or two weeks after that, it was Wardenless Wars, and then straight into another dead man. And all of these events had some kind of problem. And the fact is, we were... We were just, and then there was King of the Skill really quickly after that too, just in that year alone. We were working on... We were just putting out so many events in such quick succession that we just couldn't ensure the quality of them. Every Deadman final, there's something went wrong, and players were tuning in to see what went wrong with the bingo cards and stuff. And that had such a massive effect on team morale and also player trust in us. And in fact, we're not... We're an MMORPG who try to make a cool game. We're not like a like an eSport org or something. So I, I don't think we'll ever get back to a rhythm of such uh, like a sheer volume of events happening. But I think they'll be of much higher quality than they were. I think the future in these kind of events lies in us building the tools for players to run them ourselves and for us to support them officially in some kind of capacity. That's the only way you're going to get back to a, a, like a, a sequence of, of events that kind of thick and fast. King of the Skill had tons of balancing problems. Uh, leagues is kind of like an indirect follow-up to King of the Skill, and I think we'll agree that it's just way better. I, I don't imagine we'll do another King of the Skill like that. Dead Man just always beset with issues and balancing problems, and we can never get it right when it comes to things like muling or trading and feeding and, and whatnot. It's just impossible. Um, and then the Clan Cup stuff and the PvP Championship, yeah, we should. I think we should do more. I'd love to be able to do more. But then something also needs to fall back on the players as well. When we have these kind of like clan events and clan competitions, people people cheat and try to DDoS. And, and um, I remember a PvP championship match where one clan threw it against the other and it just made it look stupid. It undermines it. So 
sometimes it's quite odd to see people like demanding these events knowing full well that they're probably going to do something pretty shitty and undermine it in some way so that's, that's why i think the the my ideal way forward would be for us to develop tooling to allow players to run this stuff ourselves and like some kind of relationship or system where they can apply for support from us to either amplify it or maybe even fund it or sponsor it in some way which we've done recently yeah i think that's kind of like my two cents i don't know like Aza, do you feel differently no i feel the exact same and this is coming from someone who you know absolutely adored the fact that we were doing so much stuff um all the time because it meant i had so many opportunities to like cast and it was a great chance to meet people and just see different scenes grow and thrive but at the same time i would much rather us be focusing on having a healthy game as opposed to trying to make competitive gameplay work um i am now way more in favor of uh empowering players to do grassroots style ornaments competitions and such and that's something that i really want to try and explore more of um and as sween already said you know we are doing that in some degree we had the crusader cup that happened um just this weekend gone for example and there are way more opportunities out there as well if people are interested you just have to let us know and well hopefully at some point in the future we'll have an official way of people being able to apply for support for uh, for events too but it, it was just too much happening at once and we all saw what happened you know dead man became a chore um it stopped being fun it wasn't very creative anymore and um you know, the players felt that just as much as we did so all stars is one of the hardest nights ever like ha there are so many tech problems going on in that studio and we overran i think we were aiming to wrap up by a 10 a.m at 10 p.m and we were still going at, what 2 a.m 3 a.m <laughs> oh do you remember the all stars one that i, I think That's i casted for like well, yeah. yeah i casted for like nine nine ten hours or something without stopping once oh i think i had it's a like 15, 20 minute break where foe took over <laughs> And it's crazy yeah I, I remember looking at back at myself on the camera i'm like why am i not looking at the camera like at all here why do i look like i'm on drugs and it was just because i was so exhausted it was it was surreal fun but my god i don't want to do that again game blast that's the event we should bring back yes i agree game blast was so fun okay um Rafa D asks, do you think we'll ever see another RuneFest? Seems so many people are crying out for it. Yes. I think so. Yeah. We had Mod Pips again on a birthday stream, uh, kind of talk about it. Pretty, like this year, probably too soon. I mean, we're, all right, we're halfway through the year. The answer three months ago was probably too soon. Nothing's been announced. It's definitely too soon. So I'm hopeful for next year. Nothing confirmed. This isn't a confirmation. But in my time at ccp i got to attend their fan fest and this was early 2021 2022 sorry 2022 so last year and even then like that kind of we were very much like post-covid world we caused the covid outbreak in in reykjavik <laughs> like our event people coming all over the world locked down the entire studio people were sick People who'd come and flown to the event from like, you know, as far as America and Australia, it was held in Iceland, were suddenly stuck in Iceland, quarantining. Or <laughs> So we need to, now I think enough times probably elapsed that people know how to run events 
better in the current, you know, in, in the way the world is now. But it needed time for that to happen. And also, I think it was a good opportunity for us to take a step back and be like, all right, what do players actually want from RuneFest? Is it everything we were running, all the little activities and mini games and, and stuff? Is it a keynote? Or is it just being able to meet their friends, their clan mates, meet other players, meet content creators, and meet JMods, and then hear some cool news about the games? So I think we've had the opportunity now to, to maybe that, like put a, realize what's important to the event, to RuneFest. You know, should we spend so much time and effort on a massive night before when we could, I don't know, do something different? I, I don't know what different is, but we've, we've, it's given us a good opportunity to really think about what it could be and should be. And because we're thinking about this is the reason I think we will see another RuneFest, yeah. We haven't suddenly said, okay, cool, good, we've got an excuse not to do it again. Far from it, we will miss it. We love working on it. We love being there. Awesome. I've never been to one, so I really want to. You definitely need to. Yeah, when it happens, make sure you do. Yeah, I will 100% go. That, that Honestly, I yeah, I regret. I've heard so many stories from people on the cast and other things of just amazing times at RuneFest, and I just have never been. So, yeah, as soon as the next one is, I will 100% be going. Uh, Peter Tracy says, Botting in old school. Much love to all three of you. Why are flagrant bots dominating the high scores in plain sight? We really need answers. The health of the long, uh, the, sorry, the health of the game long term depends on what the company is doing about it. Community confidence is really eroding. Thank you guys. Yeah, we we feel it. We we know confidence is eroding in us, and we know we've said in the past, "Don't worry, we've got it covered. Just give us time." And you're running out of patience. Um, I think in, in the short term, what we can do is just renew focus on looking at really like sore points of contention. So things like boss high scores, for example. But the truth is, and I've said this in, I think, the interview you, you alluded to earlier, Ayesa, where I basically said resource, like, like throwing bodies at it, isn't going to solve problem. It's easier to cheat now than it ever has been, and that's mainly due to kind of like advancements in tech. So anyone at home, like a little script kitty in the bedroom, can do insane stuff in terms of cheating. Part of that's also due to like the way the situation with game clients and stuff has unfolded and made it a lot simpler and easier and accessible for people to manipulate the game. And and just as you know, better tech made it easier to cheat. The answer for us fixing this stuff is in better tech. And we are working on longer term initiatives. I said again, and I, I hate that it's kind of become my line, which is like, you know, there's a reason I came back. It's because I believe in what we're doing. And it is true. We we are working on longer term resolutions to, to things like botting. But uh, we're not ready to really talk about it just now. So in the meantime, we can look at resource. Yeah. It won't fix the problem long term, but it can help alleviate things in the short term. We can look at where we're putting their resource in the short term, but the long term solutions lie in tech and tooling for our anti-cheating team, which is where we're working. So we won't see that effect like instantly. I don't think we'll see it soon, but this is where the resource and reallocation and stuff can come in. But long term, I, I really do believe that we're going to 
I don't know, botting and, and cheating affects every MMO. You look at any MMO sub, they will be talking about botting in one form or another. I think maybe we'll be in, in a position to be to handle it better than other MMOs. That's my optimistic goal. I think we'll be in a, a maybe. I'd like to think when you're thinking about anti-cheating teams and MMOs that we'll be one of the most like well-equipped to deal with it eventually once we've delivered these long-term things I'm mentioning. So that's that's where my optimism is. So I, I, I'd like players to kind of get on board with that, but I understand why they wouldn't because they can only see and handle what they've got in front of them right now. Okay. Aiza, any other thoughts? I think Sween said it best there, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, yeah, I know, and I know you guys are not the anti-cheat team. Uh, I just want to mention one thing that I've been talking about <clears throat> in my previous rambles and some casts prior is the report button. I feel like the confidence in the report button is at an all-time low. I don't think it's ever been that high, but it really feels like nothing happens when players report people. It probably does something, but it, one of the uh, things I was thinking, and again, this is not on you guys at all, but this is just an idea, is to get an automated response from Jagex saying a person you reported got banned or not. I think that would do a world, like an absolute huge world of help for players engaging with the report button. Because right now, like so many people say, yeah, I never even touched that button because it just feels completely pointless feels like it doesn't do anything and nobody reports anybody anymore and so and i'm losing faith in it too like i i only report about half the people i see now because it's like this is just a waste of time on my end it feels like so one of the uh just things i was thinking i don't even know if it's possible in your guys end but is like a response saying if somebody you reported actually got banned or not it would just be like okay this is reinforcing this is going to allow me to report more players in the future that are clearly cheating so yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely a, a fair a fair point fair idea i i don't think it's currently something that's possible with our system but we are looking to make a, a huge amount of improvements across the board because as you know sween just mentioned then we are feeling it ourselves too um but it takes time and uh, nothing's easy when it comes to old school but to kind of like comment on the point about losing faith in the report button and players not using it well, that's one of the biggest ways to ensure that it doesn't do anything is by not using it, right? So uh, the more people that are reporting, we definitely use that information and that um, is valuable to us. So um, you might not get a response from it, but it, it does help us, even if it might not seem immediately obvious that it does. But I would say if you do see someone, I would definitely be out there reporting them still. Okay, cool. That's good to hear that it works, at least. <laughs> Something's happening. Um, and I understand, you know, with like botting, it's like it's you can't just ban every individual. There has to be a lot of, I don't know. I, I don't know how it works back there. But I see like huge clearances of just like pff, huge bot farm was just eroded, you know, because of information probably from reports and other things. So mm -hmm. cool. Um. Yeah, it's just, it's tough. I, and just one last thing is it really does suck, you know, when you see play, just blatant bots that are just way high on the high scores and it's just like, what is going on here? 
So, but you guys understand, and uh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely know on that part. All right, Chris Scholes says dual arena removal. In hindsight, regret or no regrets? Is death matching worse? I uh, I don't regret it. What, oh, sorry, go on, Sweden. You can go ahead. I was I'll say what I was going to say, and then I'll let you finish, and I'll come back to it. I don't regret it either. No regrets. Cool. Yeah, no, no regrets whatsoever. I think that um, deathmatching is a problem in its own right, and that is something that we are um, looking into. And I hope that we can get to a point in the future where you know we're able to correctly identify and take action against people who are deathmatching, um, because a lot of it is you know not legitimate play, and it is fueling things that the dual arena would have previously, which is why we eradicated it. But I think when you look at the two, it is vastly different. The scale of people involved in deathmatching versus those that were involved in the dual arena is, it's not even comparable. So yes, there is another evil out there that exists still. Um, but if I was given the option to take back time and bring the dual arena back, I, I would not take that option. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I, I don't know the numbers, but there's, definitely got to be way 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 fewer fewer people staking nowadays which is nice it's it's i mean when we were talking about removing the dual arena we knew because of the way our trade system works and the way pvp mechanics work that players would try and deathmatch it's just how the game works in terms of like the ability to do so is there mm -hmm. like <laughs> Unless we changed how we trade and how we PvP, and we've done that before, it didn't go down too well, did it? <laughs> I don't. We, we we couldn't. We can't stop that from happening. We can punish it, which I think is what he's just alluding to. But you can't stop it. So it's almost like we knew that would happen in a really like unofficial capacity. And if we compare the dual arena being very accessible, very obvious, very visible, very easy to get into versus this kind of like death matching scene where it's you know it's a bit more inaccessible it's harder to find you have to go looking for it one is more preferable one, one of those is preferable to the other I i'm glad that all the has gone i i don't want to go into like you know personal opinions and beliefs and and stuff but i don't like gambling really and the, the dual arena was very very close to that i'm so i'm glad we've managed to to, to remove that for sure no, I think I agree with that. It's like it's it's going to be impossible to remove people's willingness to gamble. <laughs> like you just can't get rid of that. Uh, but yeah, I think getting rid of the dual arena, which was like a game, it almost felt like game sponsored. You know, like this is where you can go. Like this is endorsed by the game, kind of to go here. Now, of course, nobody at Jagex was endorsing it, but it was in the game, and in fact, it just made it really easy to, you yeah, know, I just lose. And 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 it just inevitably would it would make people have negative thoughts towards the game because when you get addicted to gambling and it's in your game it's like you lose interest in the game you've yeah there's a lot of other problems that come along with yeah it. and because it's, you know I, th I think gambling has a place i like the occasional bet on like a you know a big horse race or a big sport event or a big football match but this is low stakes for fun type thing and that is only ever, you know, like the prop, like a proper official gambling source. And there are warnings and there's help you can get. 
you know, when the fun stops, stop is the big campaign in the UK. So you've, you've got that kind of like alert. You've got these kind of checks in place to make sure you don't bet too much money. And you've got help. You can, they point you to places to get help. Yep. Whereas you see like unofficial places. And now I'm talking more about, you know, like streaming environments too. Like live streaming is now, I really, I don't want to get on a tangent, but I hate how prevalent gambling is not on RuneScape, but everywhere on live streaming services, platforms rather. And yeah. you've got content creators playing with so much money, like it's not even real. And there's no warning. There's no way to get help. They're not telling you to be careful. They're just pretending it's not real money. And then you've got viewers who are not set up financially to do that, following suit. And they're, they're following suit, rather. And they don't know to stop when they need to stop. And they don't know where to get help. Uh, but I'm going on a rant now about something completely different. So... Yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's more of a my personal opinion as to why I think the removal of the Dwarven Ring is a good thing. Yeah, I agree with you as well, even even if it is a tangent. Um, it, it appears to be growing too, which is not great. Scary, like continuing it. There was a big like expose in one of the UK papers about how the gambling lobby has really gotten deep into the pockets of like... Uh, these kind of UK cabinet and stuff. So advertising is everywhere now. You can't move for it. It's all over. Sports and esports is all over it. And it's worrying for me. Yeah, it's sad. I, I'm in agreement too. I, I, I hate to see it. I personally don't gamble. The furthest I go in terms of gambling is the lottery. And that is literally it. <laughs> because I just, uh, yeah, I, I just fair enough if you believe in it and you think that it's okay then that's cool everyone's able to have their own kind of like views and opinions on things but it's not for me uh bring it back to game side of things i do have one one reservation with the removal of the jewel arena and that is the um state that the pvp arena turned into oh, i'm really yeah. sad about can, that personally. we can talk about that yeah it's it's a it's a sad situation to see the the pvp arena uh how it is now because the tech behind it was phenomenal mod ash did a really great job of implementing that and as a system i think it's brilliant yes it it, it needs some improvements and uh it could be um you know updated but the biggest thing for me was like the the lack of rewards going into the game and um it just not having that appeal uh i think it's really slept on um uh the pvp arena i think offers a great opportunity for creators to set up their own tournaments and i had these great visions that players would you know jump in and create tournaments between their communities and include it as part of their bingo events or just have like a clan thing on a weekend and we could look to support them financially with prize pools and stuff but uh yeah it just hasn't hasn't developed and i'd really like to be able to spend time on that at some point in the future uh but we just have so much going on right now that it's not a priority. But if that's if there's one thing I could go back and change, it would be it would be that. Yeah, that's a little bit unfortunate because it really does seem like there was a huge system overhaul in order to make that all happen, and it's just a barren wasteland besides the two bots that fight at the entrance. <laughs> Sorry. It's just it's just crazy to to think about what's actually possible. You think about it as I know it's not like um you know a huge advancement for more modern games now, but for old school RuneScape where you can literally queue from anywhere, well from any world, and well even in fact from anywhere using the um the mini game section and then be transported to another world, 
like through a few clicks of a button and then be matched up with someone and then fight them and that all to just kind of work is is phenomenal for old school and it just had so much potential um it's just a shame really but ultimately um i guess in some way we are to blame because we could have um spent way more time on you know pushing out those rewards but the focus at priority's sake was to replace the jewel arena with actual engaging game content and that's what we achieved and i'm very happy for the fact that we did that i just uh would like to see that have more love than it does yeah yeah uh yeah it was just a huge place right there but it just doesn't seem to get any love so yeah unfortunate okay let's see i think honestly i think the biggest thing is like you said probably rewards i mean doesn't seem like there's much incentive to go there in the first place besides just you know have some fun with clan events and stuff but yeah it's also really difficult now because we have bounty hunter which i yeah. think serves as that place for where a lot of people would have used the pvp arena to learn pvp um bounty hunter is now out and that has a whole host of amazing rewards and players have been absolutely loving that content which has been fantastic to see so it, it it is a yeah a bit of a difficult one. Maybe we can look at the PvP arena being the training ground for no um, yeah for no honor fights as opposed to honor fights um, in the distant future. Let's say when more people are interested in PvP after trying out Bounty Hunter and want something new and take it to that next level. And maybe we can explore it again then if appetite grows. Okay. Um, going back. Oh well, unless Sween had anything to say. Anything? No, no, nothing okay. bad, mate. Um, going back to Dayton's questions, he had two others, and one of them is, what is your favorite thing about working for Jagex? Okay. My favorite thing about working for Jagex is very specific to my... I mean, there's a lot of favorite things. I covered them earlier, you know, why I, I, read it, why I came back. That kind of, like, forms part of it, the team, the way that we treated. But in terms of working there, outside of all of that, is very specific to my role and that is being able to influence the game based on what the players want and knowing that yes sometimes we might make people unhappy with decisions that have been made but i think for the most part is being able to finish at the end of the day no matter how hard it has been and being able to say someone's experience has been made better because of the work that we've done there's a i don't know there's just something about that feeling that i don't think you can get anywhere else and I, I love doing what I do as a result of that. And that's why I see myself wanting to stay in community for as long as possible. Okay. Plus as well, it's cool as hell working on games like generally. And I've had so many amazing opportunities as a result of working here. So second to that would just be that exact thing is just the opportunities I've had from casting competitive tournaments to talking at events um, related to game development to being able to go to the likes of TwitchCon or the stream rewards and all that kind of stuff. It's it's really honestly awesome. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for the world. Very cool. Sween. Isaac stole mine and it was gonna be like a bit of a loose bramble about my favorite thing is just working on a video game. It's so cool. And there's so many reasons why. It's just cool. <laughs> At the base, you know, when we're going into things like Game Jam or when we're thinking about uh, new content, just thinking about what it could be, the potential for something, just having, being able, 
to sit and think of stuff, an actual job for that day, right? It's just insane. It's so cool to be able to do that. And not just game content, but marketing ideas or like collaborations with brands or studios or content creators or merchandise, the events I get to go to, being able to go and play football for Jagex against other game studios, like going and beating Xbox in a five-a-side football match. It's just it's crazy. That's my job. I'm getting paid to do that. <laughs> I've worked so many crap jobs as well. It's... I used it earlier said like he knows he doesn't want to do anything other than games and I'm the same I don't know long term no it's so cool man to have that kind of clarity I'm very lucky I'm lucky I got into the industry accidentally which I spoke about on the the first time I was here like it was completely accidental I've worked uh, since I was 14 a ton of pants jobs like really manual stuff and I'm glad I don't have to do that huge amount of respect for the people who do but I'm glad I don't have to I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, Long term, like, I've got plans. Probably won't be at Jagex long term, but that's just like natural career progression. I still, I will always love the studio in the game, but it's the right place for me right now. I can do good stuff for the, the game and the studio, and they can do good stuff for me. I love what I do. I'm so lucky. Even like this evening, just chilling out, having a, a beer while I talk to, you know, you, you too. That's cool. It's my job. It's nice. <laughs> I'm grateful you guys are so willing to come on. This is like, honestly, I've been looking forward to this all week. So yeah, I'm just... I'm glad. Thanks for having us. I really enjoy it. It's lovely. Yeah, really, really echo that part as well. Yeah, thank you for having us on. It's always a pleasure. It was the last time and I'm more than willing to do this with, with anyone, really. I love talking about the game and what we do, so... That is one of the coolest parts about like the team at Old School is you guys are so open with the community. Like, I don't really even play any other games, to be honest. So I don't really know the the difference between, you know, talking with the team and other people. But I can't imagine it's that easy to just get a hold of a random dev or a random community member and just talk after work with them. So this is awesome. <laughs> there are really great community teams out there. I, I do think for a game of our size we probably are more visible and easy to like to talk to than other games of similar size. But then when you have like, I don't know, maybe smaller games or up and coming titles, especially that's when a lot of community teams seem to thrive because it's more manageable. You've got fewer players to look after and talk to. Yeah. But I think we do a really good job for being such a big game as we are. Okay. What hobbies do you have while not at work? I um gaming for sure. I play a lot of games lately. At the moment playing a ton of Diablo. I'll be playing Final Fantasy sixteen soon when that comes out. And then I'll be getting into old school after that, I think. Back into old school a lot more. And then I've got like a, a ton of single player games on the go as well. Um which I, I was gonna say like I've been playing a lot of persona and i rumors of a remake as well that leads me into like another hobby i guess I've, I've, i'm i'm a bit of a closet weeb i watch a ton of anime i like watching movies documentaries and stuff big into music and then probably finally other hobbies like sports i play a lot of sports i try and keep fit i'm in the gym often uh play a lot of football less so now because i'm getting old and i get injured all the time <laughs> so like gaming gaming sports and just sitting and watching stuff 
probably hobbies. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, the the age creeping up on all of us. It's uh, yeah, not great for the for our bodies. <laughs> can't run around as much as we uh, used to. I can't sit at my desk in the same way like I used to. Let alone run around as much. <laughs> All right, what about you, Aiza? Yeah, I think I've got a bit of a problem, to be honest, because my hobbies just change depending on my mood. I've gone through so many different ones. <laughs> but I think for, like, at, at my core, like right now, for example, um, I don't really have a huge amount of time for hobbies because I'm renovating my house. So I've been getting into DIY a lot, and I would consider that a hobby at this point. Um, I actually really enjoy it. I like learning. Um for me, if I'm picking up a hobby uh, outside of just for keeping my mind clear, I, I like to do things that will keep my brain nourished. I like learning. Um, and when I'm not learning, I find it really difficult to just stay uh, interested in something. So DIY is great for that because there's just so many things that you can do and so much to learn. Outside of DIY, though, I enjoy hiking. Uh, I like running as well, albeit I haven't ran for a while now because I'm lazy and I've been gaming. I obviously would consider gaming as um, one of my core, like, ideas. Gaming is part of my personality. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it has just been there for, like, my whole life. Like, the um, generation that I grew up in, you know, I... I started my very early life not having access to internet or phones and spending time outdoors to really starting off as technology was on the rise, getting my first computer at like 12. Well, my, I built my first computer at 12. I had my first PC at nine, which was shared with the family. So that's always been a core, it always will be. But yeah, DIY, running, hiking. Um, and I also really like uh, woodworking, uh, whether it's just making something. I really want to build a workshop once I'm done with the house so I can start making um, small pieces of furniture. And that kind of came from um, one day my mum bought me a, a whittling set for my birthday where you carve like small blocks of wood into like figurines or whatever it is that you want to make. Um, and I really enjoyed that, really got into it. I haven't had as much time because of the, the house to do that. But I would uh, definitely say that that is going to become my main hobby after I've finished all of my DIY stuff. So, yeah. Very cool. You owe me a whittled DDS. You were gonna, I remembered. You said you were going to make me one. Yeah, uh, I did. I've got, I've still got, I've got the base for it. I just need to finish it. Just like I was, I, I was making my mum a little turtle and I've still not finished that yet. But, um, yeah, I made a oh. dragon longsword, which I thought turned out amazing. I've tweeted about it that. Did. It did. It looks very tweet. cool. Okay. Well, do your mum's one before mine. That's more important. Pick mum yep. happy. <laughs> you know it. I'll, I'll get there eventually. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know how much I'm doing on the on the house at the moment. So it's just a bit a bit crazy. But I use it. It's so manly. The stuff he's doing is crazy. Puts <laughs> the rest of us to shame for sure. Uh, and you might be another hobby. I, I like learning as well. I'm a big history buff. I read a ton. I try and read like once a week, uh, one book a, a week at least, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Very cool. Uh, and what's your favorite? So you said history is what you mainly focus yeah. on? Yeah, I love history. Yeah, I've been really into uh, listening to audiobooks. I'm I'm at the stage where I'm listening to about two books a month. Uh, I'm probably going to get up there and on your level of like one a week potentially, but I usually listen on my walks. Solid. That's solid, like two a month. It's, it's still hitting like yeah, the, the 24 a year. It's a ton. That's good. 
it's it's just cool because it naturally fell into place. I hated reading when I was a kid. I mean, I think when I was a kid, I loved reading. And then I think as soon as I entered like middle of middle school, I stopped enjoying it throughout high school. And then it just mm-hmm. became a chore. But now I've like re, I don't know. I just, I love it now. Well, when you're I, a kid, you have a lot of choice on what you read. And then when you're an adult, you have a lot of choice on what you read. In middle school and high school, you don't have a choice. You that's read true. what your I think cur- curriculum is. It's, it's, I think it's the lack of freedom. Like, cause, I don't know, this sounds really... This I know this sounds stupid, but <laughs> I don't even want to say it. <laughs> say it. Come on. <laughs> Books can be about anything, right? Yeah. So, there's, there's something for you. But if you don't like what your teacher likes, then and that's what you take away is what you think reading is. Yeah. Then that's a shame. Yeah, that's, that's a actually a really good point. That's not a stupid thing at all. That's not. That was I think books can be about anything is quite a stupid thing. You're inspiring, Sween. No, oh, I think okay, uh, that's that's a hundred percent true. Though, as soon as you're forced to read, like read this and then write a report on it, I'm like, I no, like I hate reading now. So, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm abs- absolutely like a huge fan uh, of listen, at least mainly listening. I read here and there, but it's mainly listening to books. I used to love reading when I was a kid, but I came to the realization that I loved reading when I didn't have access to a computer. And then as soon as I had a computer, I would never read. So it's like my parents used to run their own garage and I would go around, um, you know, whilst we were too young to be living, staying at home on our own. Um, And that's when I would read. I would sit in a car that was being worked on, um, like at the bottom of their yard, and I would just read one book every day and I would get through it. I remember... It would always, like, my birthday, I'd always get, like, the new Harry Potter book, and I'd read it within the first day or two days, depending on how long it was. Holy. So many different books that I went through. Like, I don't know if anyone uh, that is listening to this has ever heard of a series called Del Toro Quest, but my God, I loved that so much, and I would love to see that continue. But I recently bought a whole bunch of different books with the aim of getting into them, but, like, finding the time for it... I'm just complaining at this point and making excuses, but like by the time that I'm done working on the house um, or playing games like I shouldn't be, I'm just like, nah, it's time to... I'll tell you what the problem is now. Sween, as, as inspiring as he is about reading books, is also very compelling at, about getting you into anime. And I never <laughs> really watched anime a massive amount outside of Dragon Ball, which is my favorite of all time, and like Death Note and... Uh, there's a couple of others that I've, that I've watched as well that were um, recommended to me whilst I was streaming. But then I didn't really touch anything apart until this year. And I think this year now I've got like eight different anime series that I've watched and four more that I'm waiting for the new episodes to come out on. And uh, I'm scared I'm going to get at the point where I'm actually recommending animes then to Sween that he hasn't actually watched. <laughs> which, I'd, let me tell you, is hard. He came around to mine one weekend so hard with Archie. Mate, honestly, I'm like, oh, have you seen this one? Yeah, I've watched that one. It was okay. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, we tried this one. But Sween Archie came round to my house one weekend. We um we had a little like boys sleepover. It was great, <laughs> had a fantastic time, and it was the end of the night. I was like, right, let's load up Crunchyroll and see what we can see. What what should we watch? And it's like we're scrolling through. It's like, yeah, I've watched that. Yeah, I've watched that. Yeah, I've watched that. Yeah, I've watched. And I'm not kidding you. We did not find an anime that he has not watched that would like be relevant to something we wanted to watch. It wow. is crazy. Wow. Yeah, I well, started. I, we, I mean, fully, but I respect the hell out of it. You got like, to embrace it at this point. Yeah, 
No, I, I also I, good good now. We started watching Hell's Paradise. Very good. Go and watch it. It's so good. It's so good. It is so good. And it's do you know what? It's one of the it's one of the only animes that is modern, other than Demon Slayer, that actually has a normal name that isn't like an essay of a title. Like I died and then got reincarnated as a squirrel, got ate by a bear, and now I'm my friend's sister. <laughs> it's <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, but you know what? I'm still watching them, so. Yeah, man, that's my second favorite one. <laughs> yeah, I've watched that. <laughs> Very cool. Um, this is coming from Oily Hands. This is a little bit of an IRL topic as well. Favorite cuisine and favorite meal? Ooh, okay. Oh. Give me a second. Give me a second. All right. Well, I think, Save, what's yours? Ooh, okay. I'm going to say cuisine, probably Thai. Um, okay, nice. Probably. Uh, maybe maybe Indian. The, the problem is with Indian food is like every time I get it delivered, the chicken is dry. They can't do chicken. I don't know what, like, I don't know what's happening there. Maybe it's just the places I go. You got to come to the UK, man. You got to come to the UK. We smash Indian food. It's like a national dish. Yeah, yeah no, I yeah. absolutely love Indian food, but I think Thai is where I really just, it's just always great. Um, and I love, I think I love noodles more than like soups or rice too. So like Thai has amazing noodle dishes. Um, favorite meal though, I like, it's, it's too hard. It's too hard to say like what my favorite meal is. Literally anything with seafood, I think. I mean, you could always just go with pizza. I am absolutely a huge fan of pizza, but like. Yeah, it's hard fair, to say favorite meal. What about you guys, though? I don't. I'm not very cultured. I'll be honest with you. So, in terms of like cuisines, I wouldn't even know what food my cuisine falls under. Like, I'm literally googling right now types of cuisine and checking the food in them so that I can tell you because I don't think I have one in that like particular sense of <laughs> of a favorite cuisine. I'd probably say Japanese, just because like it includes a lot of my favorite foods within like japanese cuisine mm -hmm. um but then like favorite meal is is difficult to say because i have a lot of different meals that i know I really that, that like. was really tough like i could choose I would... favorite cuisine but like meals is like there's so many that are just tied i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna give a cheat answer okay and it's not really a meal but it also is but like dim sum so anything that involves like dumplings small food of like asian orient is is definitely if there's an option for that, I will 100% always go for it. Um, yeah, that's that's probably what I would go with. Okay. Sween? I think favorite cuisine is probably Vietnamese. Now, it's really similar to like other Asian cuisine, but they also have banh mi, which is like awesome stuff in a baguette. <laughs> And I, I've got such fond memories of Vietnam and just eating so well like a king. I, lo I loved it. You could get so much food for so cheap. So I think that very fond memory. What did Favorite you eat whilst we were in Thailand, Sween? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Vietnam. What did you eat whilst you were in Vietnam? I can't. Don't, people will hate me. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, God. All right. All right. Continue. I, continue. I was being very open minded. Because I'm not very judgmental, like Aiza here. And I <laughs> ate some of, some of what they ate in the region. And that means I ate dog, okay? 
All right, you happy now? I, I said it. I ate some dog. I enjoyed it, and I hate myself, but it was good. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, you know, I know that there's a whole load of people. Like people have a huge amount of attachments to that because dogs are pets, so on and so forth, and you know, very strong opinions around it. But like, I wasn't saying it to call. Well, I was saying it to call you out, but I'm not judging you <laughs> because. Um, you know, what what if what if someone considered a cow to be a pet in the same way that a dog is a pet? And I've seen people with like pet pigs, but we eat bacon and sausages without ever batting an eyelid unless you're obviously vegan or anti meat generally, um yeah. or or pork. So it at the end of the day, if you had to cho- choose between life or death and the option was to eat a dog or die, and it was accepted to eat dogs in the place that you're in, I would choose that too. Like I would also be open minded to it because in in you know places like there it's normalized it's part of their just, state just to be clear mm-hmm. just to be clear the option wasn't life or death it was- i know <laughs> i know i know it, th- this whole like this whole i guess um topic of discussion is so confusing i feel like it's impossible to ever get a right answer anyway my my, my sister and my brother-in-law are vegan and uh it just feels like it's a never end. It's like a paradox. It's like a never ending thing of like what you can or can't can't eat because every single thing will get affected. If even if you don't eat something that's like an animal, like something else is going to get affected. I don't know. The whole thing is just like a conundrum. I feel like it's it's very if if you value say like ethics, like the ethics of eating an animal, or you value the environmental impact or something like that or wanting to eat locally there are so many different things to try and balance in your head it's really difficult you need to prioritize what you prioritize i was vegan for like a year and a half so maybe that some way of making atonement for me eating dog once (laughs) but now now i'm no longer vegan i eat meat again so how Uh, dumplings i'm gonna go with aiza like dim sum dumplings that meal me and you shared when we were at the stream awards that was so good Oh, that was. I always forget. Uh, Pasadena was it we went to? Yeah, we had a little little day trip into Pasadena, and it had some. Uh, I think it was like a Korean dim sum, perhaps. That was so good. It was incredible. Yeah. Let me ask you about uh, your choice to go vegan, and then your choice to stop going vegan. What was that? Uh, my my ex wanted to cut down on eating meat, so I was like, okay, cool. I thought about that too, mainly for health reasons and environmental reasons, rather than like the ethics of eating an animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just went from like cutting down into just stopping entirely for quite a while. And, and in terms of why I started eating meat again, I think I just I do remember having like not health issues. That's a, that's the I'm exaggerating a ton. But I was feeling really faint at times. Um, and even though I was taking supplements, I was taking like B12, and like adding a lot of nutritional yeast and taking like iron supplements and stuff, it still didn't really seem to help. And I, this, is, this is probably like a massive uh, placebo effect. But when I ate chicken again for like the first time in like probably a year and a half, I felt so good the next day. I felt back to myself again. I just carried on. I've cut down. I'm no longer eating anywhere near as much as I was. Mm-hmm. So at least that stuck with me. But uh, yeah, I guess my motivation was just more for like support and then maybe some kind of environmental concerns, but not really massively into that. Yeah. 
Interesting. I wouldn't even say that it was placebo because I had a very similar experience. I, I went vegan for about six months with my ex as well. Um, I basically started with Veganuary when, when that trend happened and then we just continued it on. Um, but I, I, I found it really difficult to have interesting meals that were vegan. And I know things have changed massively now where you, there's a lot more options available to you. But I would I would agree with Sween that I just I never felt satisfied. I'd always feel hungry, even though my stomach was full. I would feel hungry still. Um, although it did take me a while to be able to eat chicken again after being vegan, even just for six months. I remember the first time I had some chicken thighs that I was um, deboning, and I nearly threw up in the process, and I had to just throw <laughs> them away. Like I couldn't I couldn't handle raw meat because it just felt weird. Oh to oh me, it, oh, it wasn't cooked yet. You were just preparing it. Yeah, I was preparing okay. it and it, it was just, it was freaking me out. So yeah, I, I, I don't have that issue anymore and I still eat meat now. But since since being vegan for that short stint, I've I've been more, um, I would say, uh, conscious of meat intake. So, you know, when I do my shop, I'll, I'll make sure that every week I have two meals that just don't involve meat at all. Um, and I've explored new recipes and actually found things that are really tasty and do fill me up. And I think that was part of my mistake before was just going with the standard kind of like beans or, um, well, mostly beans. I, I don't like corn. Corn, like as a substitute, just texture was horrible for me. It used to make me feel sick. So, um, yeah, I don't know, more mindful now, but I had similar reasons for Sween and where I was leading with this was like, yeah, I used to never feel full. And then when I started eating meat again, I was like, my God, I've got so much energy. Yeah, it's it's tough to beat the nutrient denseness of uh, meat. That's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely possible, though. So it, yeah, is, yeah, it yeah. is very much an excuse. Like, And I, I will admit I'm lazy. And I think if I had uh, way more energy and effort put into it, then I would be able to have a very sustained and healthy life, but um, as as a non eat non meat eater. But the the reality is, I I like eating meat. Yeah. I like the taste of it, and there's so many options that are available. I found it really hard because um, this was like back three years ago now. I think it was maybe even four years ago, uh, and the options just weren't really as available as they are now. I think if I was to do it now, it'd be very different. But supermarkets didn't really have much, so it was hard to try and find things that were fully vegan. Um, a lot. It was e much easier to be vegetarian than it was vegan yeah. um, a few years back. So, I'd be interested to try it again. Actually, maybe I'll do that. I'll, I'll challenge myself to see um, how different it is now. Yeah, I think it's cool that you guys even tried. I've never tried to go vegan, uh, even though I've literally. It, it's weird because the older I get, I do start considering the questions of ethics with animals and stuff like that. But. I'm just yeah. so late. Like it's it's just like I try to just block it out of my mind. Actually, that's exactly what I do because I I hate it when I think about it. So I just don't think yeah. about it. And I yeah. know that's really ignorant <laughs> of me. But well, this this yeah. is another problem. And this is what I I talk to with my um my brother in law and my sister is like, you will never be able to be a totally perfect person. I mean, it, you know, if you're gonna support you know this cause, why not support these other hundred causes? You know, like you you can't support every single thing in a lifetime. You know what I mean? Like there's very, very valuable mm. causes to push for and to, you know, help and put your time into and do other things. But, you know, to judge somebody, because one of the most toxic things is, you know, vegans just hating on people that know better, but don't do it. Because you can literally use that same argument for any very good cause that people aren't helping support where they could support it, but they're not. 
And so it's just this endless thing of like, you have to decide, you know, what's what you think is a good ethical life and support the causes that you are most, uh, I guess, passionate in because it's impossible to support every single cause that you think is, you know, good. So yeah, that's my little two cents. Um, I agree completely, mate. You're spot on. The way the, <laughs> the way the world is set up, like no matter what you buy from whoever you buy it from, you're you're probably contributing towards something horrible. You've got a limit on how much you can support stuff. You know, there's only so much time in the day for you to do things, and there's only so much money you have to be able to you know donate to good causes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So think about what you can do and what makes you feel fulfilled. Uh, and that's it. You can't individually. We can't fix the world. Yep. I don't want to sound like defeatist, but it's not meant to be. It's meant to be like more stoic, I suppose. Which is you can't fix the world. So focus on what you can fix and what you can do. Yeah, I think that's important. Okay. Uh, okay. I want to ask you. This is not on the Twitter topics, but I want to ask you guys. What are your thoughts on Ruinous Powers, the new prayer book? That's potentially coming out oh, i was dreading this question <clears throat> i had to, i have to ask it because i want to hear your guys' thoughts on it i'm conscious of how honest i want to be on my answer to this okay <laughs> um yeah okay i'll i'll give you my my personal opinion mm-hmm. which is very much a personal opinion and not reflective of how the rest of the team feel but i would be more comfortable with ruinous prayers not coming into the game just yet i feel like they are as it probably even more impactful than adding a new skill to the game actually is because it entirely redefines the pvm meta throughout the entire game from early game mid game to late game and I have faith in the team and I'm fully supportive and I believe that they're doing the right thing with it and that we'll get it right. I'm just scared, I think is the most honest answer. They, the Runa's powers scare me. I'm excited for them and the potential that they'll bring. I, I love the fact that it opens up new metas, new options, new builds, new playstyles. But it also, yeah, kind of terrifies me a little bit as community manager knowing that there's going to be um, so much change with just one update and managing that will be an interesting challenge so yeah i'm looking forward to them going into um another beta very soon though and seeing what players feel of them after they've been changed but i would uh in an i i think if i had it if i had it my way i would rather look at approaching the prayers in a similar way as we've approached adding a new skill and have a much longer period of consultation than what we've given them that being said, like I say, I have full confidence in the team, full faith in the way that they're approaching it. I think that it's uh, you know, going along the right routes. It's more of a, if you could have perfect world, but perfect world doesn't exist. So um, that's that's what I would say about them. Um, don't know if that's the answer that you were looking for, but I'll happily expand if you want to know more about what you were looking for if it wasn't. <laughs> well, here, let me ask Swain first. Does he have any thoughts? I'm not sure how I think about them or feel about them, to be perfectly honest. It's interesting with a new prayer book because, I mean, just like with, say, a new skill book, 
not, not skill book, a new spell book, sorry. Like just like with a new spell book or even with a new skill, you want something new. You want that new prayer book to do something that you can't do anyway. Problem is, I don't think there are many things you can't do already or, you know, what... So it's, I don't know how to, to convey what I want to say, but what were people expecting from a new prayer book? I think they were expecting new stuff, like new new things, new mechanics, which isn't really the case. We tried to do that, but in, in reality, that prayer book was always going to be rebalancing stuff that already exists. Like, you know, there's going to be a benefit to you in combat at a cost because we need to balance it alongside the original prayer book. So I think it was always going to end up this way, kind of. The only way you'd avoid it would be, like Aiza said, more consultation. But if if people were expecting something, you know, really crazy and brand new that I haven't seen before, was it ever going to be that way? Is there, I don't know. I, I can't think of, like... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, if you fix for a new spell or a new prayer, something that something that's brand new, like stealing a mechanic from another game or something... But what is there to, to do? Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I'm going to lean with Aiza in saying I'm scared uh, of it. This is a personal take. Um, I think part of it is just the nostalgia I have toward the standard prayer book. I think logging in and seeing the default prayers there and knowing how simplistic it is. I mean, it's just... They're very iconic prayers, and I believe part of it is just the nostalgia I have, a, a, like, attached to my mind. Um, because when I see the new prayer book, I get scared instantaneously just by looking at it. <laughs> also, um, I feel like prayers would absolutely need to be able to be rearranged if it did come into the game. But I think, I don't know, I, I think I'm just scared of it because I think there's going to be just a huge, huge effect... Like you said, Aiza, over the entire PVM section of this game, and it's going to make content feel like you have to relearn everything, and not everybody is willing to do that. End game, super, super end game people that are just looking for some new life into the game are very excited for it. But I feel like for the average player, having to just, I don't know, min max every single thing, and you know, you're trolling if you're using the standard prayer book and things like that is just going to be a little bit like. I don't know, it's going to be rough. My idea was just add four new prayers from the four new bosses. But again, that's not it's not like that's been pulled or anything or even probably suggested. But I think we still have time to add to the traditional prayer book, especially because the prayers only go up to level 77 currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's... I see that. I like that. That's cool. Me too. I, I think um, you touched on like the, you know, casual players, you know, not really wanting to min-max, but... I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I think the casual players have actually made the implementation of a prayer book infinitely harder than um, like high level players have because uh, like, you know, Sween mentioned people want something new, but what is it that's something new? And I think a lot of um, what I've seen from feedback when we first like proposed the Runa's prayers, uh, Runa's powers prayer book, sorry, <clears throat> was that they weren't strong enough. They needed to be stronger. They didn't sound exciting. You know, players wanted something to sound new, to sound exciting, but no one really knew what that actually meant or what that was because, as Sween mentioned, there isn't really that much that we can do other than tweak what already exists and make it work slightly different to how it does that you're used to. 
But that narrative like took over entirely until people actually experienced the prayers in game. Because you know, we wrote a massive blog that gave all the details, and when we did that, players just read them on face value and went, like, Well, these just sound crap. They sound boring, they're underwhelming, they're not strong. But in reality, they were giving more DPS increases from those prayers than any item we've ever added to the game. And there were multiple of them for different attack styles. So it it, it was kind of crazy to see that happen. Um, and there was a definite learning point for us at that as well, that, you know, something as big as like a prayer book, you can't you can't reasonably expect people to understand it fully just by reading a blog. And we need to do things differently in the future when it comes to explaining them to help avoid that issue happening. But I think that's what scares me the most is, well, that's why I'm scared, sorry, is because of the impact they'll have um, and the impact that they could have going forward based off the players' perceptions of them, um, either not being strong enough because they don't understand enough about how combat works or DPS scaling and such um all them just being so underwhelming that we then have to make them so strong to to be appealing that we just break something drastically but as i said i'm confident with the team so fingers crossed um players are happy with the recent changes that we're going to be making and they'll get to try them out soon anyway so we'll see maybe i won't be so scared <laughs> yeah that's that's my hope i'm trying to be as open-minded as humanly possible it's just my instincts yeah. are just no <laughs> But again, I've tried because there's been great updates that have come out that I have said no to, and now I and now I enjoy them. So I remember listening to many a ramble where that's happened too. Yeah, but um, I, I hope if nothing else, this kind of like really just uh, helps the listeners of this um, podcast today to really understand that you know people working on old school are humans. You know, we all have our different opinions and views on things, but none of us let our personal opinions or views on what should or shouldn't happen impact the game, right? Um, this isn't meant to be as a flex, but I, I, I probably could to some degree push really hard and, and abuse power to be like, put a stop to these prayers completely because I really, well, I don't really not like them. I actually love them. I think they're exciting. I'm just scared, but you know, like I could, if, if I really want to, I could try and do that, but I'm not because that would be wrong. It's not the right thing to do. And it's okay for us to have an opinion and not like something but still add it to the game because other people do. And there's a lot of times where that happens. Um, but more often than not, it will be the opposite where players will believe that we're doing things because that's what we really want ourselves. Like I get ter the term of being the PvP J mod. That was my tag for so many years because I was really supportive of the PvP player base. I don't even PvP. I really like it. I like watching it and get involved in it. But I, I'm not super knowledgeable. I just wanted to see that community thrive. Just like... I would like to see the PVM skilling, questing, and role playing, and all these other areas thrive too. Um, so, yeah, if nothing else, maybe it will uh, open up people's eyes a little bit to knowing that we all have our different opinions, but we just want to do what's best for the players at the end of the day. And if that's the new prayer book, then I'll happily look to support it and uh, give the team all the resources they need to do so. Awesome. Okay, uh, question about collection log. So collection logs obviously completely swayed a large portion of the of the player base into uh, going for log slots as like a new kind of like progression of their character in game instead of going for XP or pets. It's now like, ooh, collection logging. So uh, one question is, will we ever get a high scores for collection log? 
I hope not. Why do you say that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I, I wouldn't mind it. Um, the, the more serious answer to like, I hope not is that I just get really worried when things like that are proposed around what it could do to um, changing the way that it's done. You know, like people have comments now that like we cater to Iron Men. We've talked about it earlier in the cast and whenever that happens, it's like, oh, you've made Iron Man easier. I, I just have a very strong belief that as soon as we officialize something, it draws more attention towards the... Um, I, I don't, faults is the wrong word, but it's just an easy way to describe it. But like the faults in like obtaining something or, or achieving something or getting, you know, getting to that point. Uh, and I think that officializing collection log in a high scores would be great for the people that are, you know, doing it because they really want to and they're fine with that grind. But I, I do think that it would then cause extra kind of like conversation around, well, now that it's on the high scores, this isn't really a feasible goal to go for. So can we just do this or can we remove that from the high scores so it's not included? Or mm. um, can we make this a you know bit bit less of a grind, for example? And I think that the collection log at its current form is pure right it's it's a personal achievement that you can go for and you can share it if you choose to do so but you're doing it because you want to do it not because you're trying to get a spot on a high score for it and with how competitive old school already is by nature um through like boss high scores the front page um all that kind of jazz i don't know I kind of like how it is just this thing that you do because you want to do it, not because you feel like you have to. And it's a choice that you make. Um, it's similar to why I have reservations over things like a completionist cape that um, I think actually the Game Jam um, idea of that that was announced or shared recently was actually a really good implementation of it. But I still have the similar reservations for something like completionist cape that it would ultimately lead to changes over time to accommodate the fact that it's official yeah i i agree with that i was going to bring that up about the completion escape sween do you have any thoughts on this before i jump in no nothing to add mate go ahead yeah i just want to well first off i would really love to see a collection log high scores but just the number i just just, just the number of collection logs just something so simple um, i like that and it, it, you wouldn't even be able to see people's logs or like by clicking on them and just having this huge thing. No, it would just be like what, whatever the number is and then what your rank is for. I think that could be cool. Plus you can make it so it's still sort of hidden in a way where like your number isn't really based on how, how progressed you actually are because, you know, you can kind of do like the sleeper, you know, way of just like holding on to your, uh, easy collection logs and just rising the ranks and then just unleashing them at a later point. But that's for me. I just think that would be cool. Plus there already is like a third party thing, which is just really fun to see people's things. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's not necessary to add it to the official high scores. Um, I definitely get why people would want it though. And I would be again, similar to, you know, what I said before about opinions, not dictating what yeah. does and doesn't happen. I'd, I'd be happy to explore um, a way that we could have implement it for those that, enjoy that competitive aspect because it exists and i think it would be really cool to see as well just how much people have actually completed that might not be as prominent on social media as others that are you know hunting the collection log slots mm -hmm. um so and it, it's always great to celebrate people's achievements too it's just i have those concerns so 
I agree with that. And that goes along with the completionist cape. Like, I get nervous of completionist capes. Um, I will be honest, though. Well, the biggest thing with completionist cape is, like, what is considered completion? And the worst thing... Kieran has the greatest ideas of all time, but one thing he brought up that stick that sticks in my mind is like the completion cape where you only have to do like 70% or 80%. I was just like, that just, just isn't gonna work. I know he just brought that up on one of the QA's, but completionist cape sounds like endless chores that inevitably will be made easier because you're gonna have to upkeep those chores for the rest of your time. As soon as you get the cape, it's like Every update, you're going to have to upkeep all these new chores, and people are going to get so sick of it. Um, but and then I think with the... Yeah, no, no, sorry, bro, no, 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 you go for it. Okay. I was going to say, if, if we do release like this, you know, easy completionist cape, which is actually achievable and attainable, then you're going to see people doing their unofficial comp, their own, like, challenge, as, as they do now, right? They have to have the comp list and stuff. People will mm-hmm. still be doing that and holding themselves to that. And then we'll be pulled in two different directions, I think. One from a player base who wants us to make things more achievable and more attainable, more accessible. And then from the people who are still sticking with, you know, the, the old the old school, like Google Sheets and stuff they've compiled, trying to make it harder. I think we'll be pulled in two different directions. I'm not averse to it. I used to be when I first joined the team. I was quite anti-comp, but that was six years ago. Things have changed a lot since then. Yeah, same. I was like very adamantly against it, and whenever anyone mentioned it, I'll just be like, "Don't talk to me." <laughs> but I, uh, I, I'm actually quite in favor of the game jam pitch that was worked on by um, Husky Curse, and um, I'm going to get Bruno? shot now. I'm not remembering. Yeah, Bruno, that was it. And Rye, uh, Rye did some of the artwork for the capes, I believe. I think that could work, but <laughs> I also agree with what Sween just said. Then, in yeah. terms of how it would split, so I. One thing I really loved is it's like somebody on Reddit posted this thing and I've been talking about it as well is the collection log, like a wieldable collection log book that upgrades every hundred collection logs. So that's cool. It just it upgrades the, the style of it. Maybe there's a teleport to the collection log as well. So it can teleport you to the like Varrock Museum or just some random place. Um, but yeah, just upgrade. So there's never an ending point. It's just every hundred you get to, it'll upgrade. So there's never like, I need to finish this. I need to, no, it's like, this is just showing off your progression. And the best part about it is it's not going to restrict content coming into the game. Completionist cape would literally have people voting no to stuff because like, oh, do I want to do this? No. So I I don't want it coming into the game because I'm going to need to do this for a completionist cape. On the other hand, this version of the um, book would be, you actually want more content coming into the game because you want to get to that next hundred leap, you know? So, I don't know. I just thought that would be a, a cooler idea. Really cool. Oh I like it for sure. And I think as well, you're right. Because there'll be players who get, you know, close to completing it, haven't got you know, the treasure trail stuff and the you know, really RNG things. They want to reach the next tier of, of whatever that is or however it looks, whatever cosmetic we've added to it to make it look different than the previous tier. And then we release new content and that comes with... I don't know, say Desert Treasure 2, all the rewards that we're going to be pulling. That's a ton more opportunity. That's maybe their chance to get to the next tier without getting that crazy third age drop. Yep, 100%. Plus, every 100 uh, logs that do come out that you guys release, so like, let's just say we get to 1,500, you guys get to design a brand new book that looks 
super sexy <laughs> and like yeah, nobody's like gonna that. have it yet but at least it's there i like that you know just on this i'm just gonna say one thing yeah i love cosmetics i love them so much when they're achievable as like in-game goals oh that that for me is like one of the best things i think for like uh chase content um personally and old school fashion scape oh, it's good it is it is there it is definitely there so just just gonna throw that one out there yeah no i'm i'm a hundred percent on your side i think there is never enough cosmetics. I think there can always be more cosmetics. I'm a huge, huge fan of that. I also love the the cosmetics that actually take like skill. I love the fang kit idea. I love mm -hmm. the Twisted Ancestral. I don't have Twisted Ancestral yet, but I love that kind of stuff as well. And that's really I mean, what endgame players really want. They want to just flex. Yeah, exactly, right? And it's so it's so harmless. I think there's obviously a balance that you've got to draw between I, th I think there is a world where you can have too many cosmetics, especially for the same pieces of gear. Um, and I, I like how old school tries its hardest to make sure that when you have cosmetics, the original item is still recognizable. I think that's really, really mm -hmm. cool thing about um, our game and the way that we handle them. I wouldn't want to see that change. So we definitely have to make sure there's a balance. But like whenever there's an option to add something cosmetic, I'm like, yes, let's do it as long as it's right. Yeah. No, 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 I agree with that. It, it has to be right. I guess when I, I guess what I mean by like there can never be too many, I think of like clue scroll stuff. Like if there was a new clue expansion and you released another 200 random stuff you can wear on your character, I have zero problem with that. But I agree with your point of like adding attachments to things they need to fit right, 100%. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so I guess the last thing I'll of ask is um what your thoughts are on the desert treasure 2 bosses do you can you guys leak anything are they going to be very difficult what 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 do you do you have anything that you can leak <laughs> about like what you know when those come out because <laughs> i think people would love to hear it there's, there's loads that we can leak but like i just don't think it would be right to i i, I want people to okay. experience and have that excitement when they come out on release um we had a really successful playtest with some creators. You may be able to find some of their thoughts. Um, obviously, they won't go into detail about them, but I was there and everyone was hyped from what I gather. They loved the content. Um, I think the bosses are going to be like next level like enjoyment to, to fight. They're different, but um, yeah, I would say just honestly wait for them to come out and just just experience them they are great they, they all have their own identities as well so it's not like you're fighting four of the same bosses just with slight variances they're four individual bosses with their own mechanics their own kind of like everything about them is is unique in that sense so, so I, I think it's going to be a great update i'm really looking forward to when desert treasure 2 releases honestly yeah that's gonna be fun I'm I'm looking at two of them now, three of them now, and oh, they look so cool. They do. They, yeah. they they look very old school, but they look like nothing you've seen in old school. Mechanics are quite unique. I'm really excited for them. Ah, um, oh, that's so much more I want to say. They're so sick. I think I'm right in saying, uh, Isa, there's another playtest in like two weeks. Is that still happening? 
yeah so more feedback coming I'm, I'm i'm excited i think it's gonna be so good they've done such a good job on these awesome love to hear it yeah i think maybe it is for the best that we just don't get any leaks we just jump in and have fun i'm looking forward to it though um okay well th yeah there's there's a few more little like topics that kind of blend into other things we've talked on so uh i guess we'll just kind of wrap things up here so Aiza, Sween, thank you guys both very much for coming on today and answering the questions from the community and just being awesome. Um, I really appreciate your guys' time tonight. Have oh, a great time, you. mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I love talking about old school. To be honest, I was kind of expecting you to be like, okay, so there's not many more topics now, but we do have some little fun questions that have been asked. You're going to blast through. I saw a few of them on the tweet and I was like, how the hell am I going to answer those? <laughs> yeah, uh, they're, this is, every, people can blame me. If, if your question wasn't asked, it's not on the JMods part of the, that's on me. So you flame me if you, if you get upset about that. That's for every cast as well. I always skip some. <laughs> cool. I might so answer a couple on Twitter. Oh, yeah, do a, few, do a few replies. You know, that's a good shout, actually. Maybe I'll do a few replies. I've had a few people that have messaged saying, did my did my question get asked? And um, I'm like, nope, not yet, but it may do. <laughs> so I'll reply to them. <laughs> they hate me. Um, well, thank you, guys. Uh, and down below in the description, everybody, go follow uh sween and aiza on their twitters keep up to date with what's happening on old school and what's happening in their lives and yeah if you guys want to support the cast down below in the description as well there's a patreon link and don't have an exact well here i'm, I'm actually not going to leak next week's guest because it's not set in stone yet but uh look forward to it there's going to be a lot of guests this summer that we're going to be getting on and some more j mods as well hopefully Ooh. so Anyway, guys. Can I just say one more thing yeah. before we wrap? Go for it. Please, everyone, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel. Support Sebe in these podcasts. We really appreciate being able to come on here and talk about old school. It's always a great time listening to all of the other guests as well. You hopefully have enjoyed it. So if you want to see more, do make sure that you subscribe. Show, show Sebe some love. And um, yeah, thank you again for having us. Much love. Greatly appreciated. All right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will catch you in the next one. Thanks again, Ayesha and Sween. See you, buddy. Cheers. Bye.